0: Did you know that this podcast is a part of the JASO Modcast Podcast Network? Chances are, if you enjoy this show, you'll find other great podcasts on the network, too. The JASO Modcast Network offers you a choice of shows seven days a week, starting with Monday. Join Rebecca C. Lofgren, Aaron Illick, and David K. Montoya in Seeing Red. The trio dive deep down the rabbit hole each week with a combination of geek and weird news. Then on Tuesdays, join the boys from the Great White North, Mike Lutz, Rob Bellamy, and Jason Beckard in the movie Madhouse, as they bring you everything Hollywood and more. On Wednesdays, Reaper Rick's Tree Frog Expose Cafe, where he crosses the line of limits as he gives us news that is unforgettable and personal views that you'll definitely remember as well. Spend Thursdays with Jim Bennett and Nick McKelvey as they join forces in American Fat Ass Podcast to talk about various topics from news, sports, to their personal lives, all the while with a humorous slant in an unapologetic fashion. Fridays, Rob Bellamy is joined with Mike Lutz as they jump in the Wayback Machine to explore the archives of the JZO Modcast to give you three hours of audio entertainment in Flashback Fridays. Saturdays, join Jayzo Modcast founder David K. Montoya as he explores the world for a single of Who's the Boss? Then Sundays, finish the week with What We Think with hosts S. Sadie Burbank and David K. Montoya as they tell us exactly what they think about pop culture, celebrities, and the world at large with a ton of vulgarity mixed in for good measure. The Jayzo Modcast Podcast Network, we've got what you want seven days a week for free. Listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And don't forget to check us out at jazelmon.com slash jazelmodcast. And now, enjoy this free jazelmodcast show.
1: For Flashback Fridays once again. Yay! That must mean it's Friday. I would think so. And it's the weekend. No. No? I'm probably on afternoon shift. Ah, I hate when that happens. You tell me about <laughs> it. But that's good because then you can sit there at your desk, listen to Flashback Fridays, and pretend to work. <laughs> yeah. How do you, would you look in? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> That's not a teddy bear I gave you. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. like somebody's got to do it, so may as well be me. Yep. Well, we have three new episodes. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, we should introduce ourselves. <laughs> I'm just eager to get to the show. You know what it is? Mm-hmm. we're just far too comfortable with everybody that's right is said no introduction needed no you know us yeah no they don't we're those guys yeah those guys <laughs> i'm rob there now we can uh <laughs> now we can move on now we can move on <laughs> all right minute into a minute <laughs> into the show he's still no idea who we are who are these people why are they talking existential problem who are you really um, who am i I don't know. Do you oh, know what dear. we should do? Listen to a podcast and find out. Well, I think. I'm thinking right now. That's the static <laughs> that's coming through the mics. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So, our first episode is Sheer Darkness number 10. Okay. From one of the canceled shows, or not canceled, I should say, ended shows. Retired? Retired? Hiatus. Yes. Permanently hiatus. Shh. Don't. Oh. The permanent word is just too permanent. That is true. It's like Marvel. Nothing dies. That's right. This week, Terry and Dave take a walk down memory lane in the Wayback Machine as they reflect on childhood games and other nostalgia. Stop drinking. Talk. I bet you (laughs) Dave has an Atari. Uh Uh-huh. And Terry. He's a Coleco guy. He's a Coleco guy. Yep. Yep. Coleco vision all the way. Oh, That's the one I had. (laughs) Yep. Well, let's find out what they got. All right. So, Sheer Darkness number
2: 10 Reflections.
1: Greetings, everyone. I am
3: Terry D. Shearer.
2: And I am David K. Montoya.
3: And I bid you welcome
2: to Sheer Darkness. So, what do you got on the schedule to talk about this week? Um, you're going to do some more movies? You want to talk about some books? Past, uh, couple of episodes, we were talking about film and
3: books and writing and such, and I don't want to bore our listeners by doing the same thing over and over again, so uh, this episode we're going to reminisce just a bit, because I don't know when I might have another chance to really get into you know, my life, and I, uh, and my cancer is spreading. I see my oncologist in two weeks, and I'm going to decide then uh, what course of action there is left for me, if any. So, first of all, however, uh, on the episode we were doing, when we were talking about horror, I uh, tried to mention an author that I, I really enjoyed, and I couldn't remember his name at the time, and when I said a name, it was wrong, and I, I'm really sorry about that, so I'd like to uh, clear that up before we get started with anything else. The author I meant to uh, talk about was Robert Aikman. A-I-C-K-M-A-N. He was born in London in 1914, and he did die in 1981. But he was a uh, supernatural fiction writer, and he wrote a number of what he called strange stories. Um, 48 stories that are included in three volumes here in in the United States. One is called Night Poisons, Cold Hand in Mine, and Painted Devils, was the last one. Um, Cold Hand in Mine, Painted Devils, uh, sports, they sport dust jackets, with drawings by the Gothic illustrator Edward Gorey. And Aikman had won several awards, including the uh, World Fantasy Award in 1975 for his story, Pages from a Young Girl's Journal. That was uh, reprinted in Cold Hat in Mine. And in 18... I'm sorry, in 1981, he received the British Fantasy Award. So, anyway, uh, he wrote a lot of other things, too. But since my interest is mainly horror... I really enjoyed his stories. I'm sure you can pick him up on Amazon or probably even eBay. Uh, but, you know, if you're interested in unusual supernatural horror, then uh, you should check out Robert Aikman. All right? Okay, that was uh, past business. And now... I'm going to take a little trip in the Wayback Machine, <clears throat> because, well, first I need to uh, explain that I, uh, I am an addict, after all. I am uh, addicted to cigarettes, yes, I admit it, and uh, the other thing which I have only recently discovered I was addicted to and I should have known this all along that uh I'm addicted to Diet Mountain
2: Dew. <laughs> oh, do tell.
3: Now, we'll start with the Mountain Dew first because that's that's just always on my mind. I uh ran out of Mountain Dew today and it was pretty terrible. I had to scrounge through my pockets and my wife's change purse in order to scrape together enough quarters, dimes, and nickels to race over to the local store, buy myself a two-liter bottle of Mountain Dew just to get me through until tomorrow when you know, I get paid. But I drink seriously. Well, you know, I try to keep it down to two or three cans a day, but sometimes, especially if I'm working late at night, it'll get up to six or seven cans. Now, I'm drinking Diet Mountain Dew because I'm diabetic, alright? Uh, and Diet Mountain Dew is not terrible. It's actually pretty good once you get used to it. But I started drinking uh, Mountain Dew in college. Mm. For those of you who are not aware, my college days were a long fucking time ago. And when I first started drinking, you know, Mountain Dew, uh, it had a lot more caffeine in it than it does now. I'd get up, and I'd, you know, drive to school, and I'd, Pop open a can of Mountain Dew when I first got there. I don't, I've don't. never liked coffee. i just never acquired a taste for coffee. But Mountain Dew did the trick. And I've always slammed down three or four of those, you know, in the morning and then some more in the afternoon, whatever. And, uh, so, yeah. I... Uh, I like my Mountain Dew, I guess that's the same as coffee with most people. But uh, there it is. And the cigarettes. Well, you know, I started smoking when I was thirteen. And uh, the reason I started smoking was because I was expecting a uh, disappointing report card. Let's just say that. I knew that I would uh, most likely hear about it in a bad way from, uh, from my parents, so I panicked basically, and I was just like freaking out, and you know, didn't drink, couldn't drink, I was only 13, but I, uh, my stepfather used to smoke the the camel stubbies, the ones that were only about four inches long, and they had no filter. So I uh, managed to purloin a pack of his smokes, which I hid up in the rafters of the garage in the back corner, and whenever I would uh, go out in the evening with a... a friend or something, and we just, I don't know where the fuck you go when you're 13, but we would go out and just walk around, basically, and uh, we would smoke while we were doing that, so at 13, I started smoking, and yeah, between 13 and 18, I I didn't smoke a lot, but uh, I did, I did smoke. When I was in high school, there was a barber shop kind of across the street from the school And, at that time, uh, the barbershop sold cigarettes. I don't know why. But anyway, yeah, the barbershop sold cigarettes. And, believe it or not, they were 25 cents a pack. 25 cents a pack. So that's where I would get my cigarettes. Uh, Of course, it was still legal just south of 21 under 18 and I was under 18 in high school but uh, there you go that's where I used to get my cigarettes and uh, I would smoke old golds in those days because I'm sure most of you don't remember this but in the old days um, there would be coupons in, in the packs you know and you uh, saved up coupons, and you got to get shit. Uh, I think Camel was doing that for a long time. Uh, do you remember Joe Camel and how cool he was? You uh, anyway, you got coupons and shit in the cigarette packs, and then you can save them up and get get something from the company. <laughs> they don't have old gold cigarettes anymore. In fact, they uh, don't have a lot of the old cigarettes they used to have. And now with all these new cheap models, eh, doesn't matter. Anyway, um, smoking. Yeah, I smoked. And I'm smoking still. Uh, You know, and after being a respiratory therapist for for 12 years, he see people die by the dozens from emphysema, COPD, lung cancer, and all sorts of other crap, uh, which resulted from smoking cigarettes. You would think that I might have tried to quit, and, you know, in point of fact, I actually have tried to quit a few times. Uh, I guess the thing of it is, I
2: fucking like smoking,
3: dude and uh, I know Dave Dave, Dave's quit smoking before
2: yeah I've, I've actually quit smoking on a number of different occasions um, you know just for odd end reasons mainly probably for the same thing you know just working in the medical field and seeing a lot of people kill over dead because of you know what they did to their lungs and, and physically did to themselves um, uh, yeah I actually quit what was it, five years, I think. I quit for like five years and um, was completely a non-smoker. Though, you know, I I liked the smell of cigarettes, which was kind of weird, even though I was a non-smoker. But then when I got back into college, um, I started smoking again. But, you know, what can you do?
3: It's not so much, you know, that... No, you shouldn't smoke. I know I shouldn't smoke. Smoking's bad for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to make me die earlier. Although, cancer I have is not related to my smoking, so there. (laughs) uh, I'm going to die anyway, so I might as well at least enjoy myself a little bit while I still have the time. So I smoke, okay? I like it. And I don't drink, you know, I enjoy wine once in a while. But, uh, you know, my drinking years are, are way in the past. Uh, used to go out drinking. For, uh, pretty much every night after work. But that was only because I had, you know, co-workers that out every night, we went to happy hour, and you know, then on Friday or Saturday, we went out to the, the big bar. And, and so, yeah, yeah, I used to drink, but I don't drink anymore. Never really liked it that much, but uh, anyway, so I don't drink, you know, uh, don't do drugs except for the ones I'm prescribed every day. So I smoke. You know, I don't have the money to do anything else. Um, of course, if I didn't smoke, I would have a lot more money. But, you know, see like, the yeah. Anyway, what I wanted to talk about, I've noticed some, some stuff lately.
2: Oh, what's that?
3: I wanted to talk about games. Games that... Uh, we used to have when I was a kid because most of those games are long gone and I know that uh, some of you may have heard of somebody who had cooties you know in in elementary school Uh, somebody always had cooties and you couldn't touch the cootie person and they couldn't touch you or else you would get cooties. Well, in 1949, Hasbro came out with a game called Cootie. And I had one when I was a little kid. And, uh, cooties are imaginary creatures, but I imagine, I suspect, however, that, uh, they, the the name, derived from people who had lice or crabs or something. Anyway, so the cootie game was an insect that you had to put together. And it had a, you know, it was a rather large five or six inch creature by the time you got it together. It had a thorax and six legs and a head and antennae antenna and shit like that. And, hmm. Funny thing is, I can't remember whether the object of the game was to finish first or finish last. Because everybody who finished ahead of you had cooties. They had a cootie. You know, and anyway, it's a fun game, long gone. Um, this is way before uh, video games iPads, and pretty much way before anything electronic, Uh, we had to play with whatever was available, and the cheapest stuff to play with was like marbles, I still have two big jars, glass jars of marbles I had when I was a kid, you know, and uh, I didn't like to actually play marbles with other kids because you lose your marbles uh, when you play, and I didn't like to lose anything I owned, so I would collect marbles, but I never played marbles with anybody else. I played marbles with myself, you know, but you play marbles with another kid from down the block, and you might lose some of your best, best pieces, you know, and I didn't like to give up anything I owned, and I still don't.
2: When I was younger, I used to play marbles. Uh, like me and my cousin, we, we would play marbles a lot, and of course we'd play marbles at school. Um, did it for quite a few years. I don't know whatever happened to mine. Um, we I used to have this one. It was a big old um, cat's eye, and uh, I'd always save it for last because, um, you know, when when everything was in position You could use your smaller marbles to move everything in position and then i would use the big cat's eye and just knock them right out um, i don't know I never, never, that's been years ago i don't know what happened to them so marbles was a cheap
3: game uh... easily played you could buy a bag of marbles for you know a dime at the, the, dime, with the dime store remember dime stores? no, probably not
2: um, no, I, I, I remember real 99-cent stores, though.
3: Woolworth and Company, you well, know, downtown. Five and Dime stores.
2: Uh, no, before my time. Uh, okay, <clears throat> so,
3: another game that, uh, that I played as a board game, well, we played, uh, checkers and chess, of course, because those were about the, uh only board games around for for the most part. But, in the 1950s, I played a game called Ropes and Ladders. And it was, yeah, it was a pretty cool game, you know, for kids. It was about kids being pirates. And as pirates, you know, you were trying to assault another ship and everything. So, um, you know, you had like a hundred squares on this board, and you went, you know, one, two, three, four, five. And you either... You would sometimes land on a square that had a ladder on it, and you climbed up the ladder to you know, get to a higher level. Um, occasionally, you would land on a square that had a rope, and the rope, you would slide down and end up having to basically start the game over again. The... Uh, Ropes and Ladders was from 1954, Parker Brothers, and uh, some of you may be familiar today with a game called Shoots and Ladders, which uh, was made by somebody else, I can't remember who, but it wasn't Parker Brothers, it must be Milton Bradley, and Shoots and Ladders came out, uh, actually before Ropes and Ladders did, I thought that was afterwards, but, <clears throat> uh, Chutes and Ladders was taken from an ancient Indian game called Snakes and Ladders, and, uh, Snakes and Ladders, uh, was probably originated in the 1500s, uh, this route was in the Morality Lesson. You know, the progress up the board represented the life journey complicated by virtues, which are the ladders which enables you to climb higher, and the snakes which are the vices and they slow you down and you slide back. So it's like uh, two steps forward, three steps back. I feel. Shoots and Ladders came out in 1952, so that's a couple of years before Ropes and Ladders. And it was Milton Bradley that uh, developed Shoots and Ladders, for kids. But I thought the Ropes and Ladders was a, was a better idea because it had pirates in it. You know, every really good a kid wants to be a pirate. Kind of deal. So <clears throat> one of the other cheap little games that was available in the 50s. It was called Tiddlywinks, and I'm sure that most of you are not familiar with this game. Very simple. It had a bunch of small, round, plastic pieces that you used a larger plastic piece to press down on the edge of one of the smaller pieces, and it caused it to jump. Whirl through the air, and the object of the game was either to land your wink—I don't know—I don't know if they were called the individual pieces were called tiddlies or winks—but anyway, the object of the game was to either land your your piece on a flat down target with you know, numbered points on it. Or later on, it was just a cup, plastic cup that. know if you got your little plastic disc into the cup well then you got points and of course the person with the most points was (laughs) tiddlywinks yeah that was a great one 1950s you know something equally simple was tic-tac-toe I mean they they actually made and still do make tic-tac-toe games but it's just as easy to take a pencil and a piece of paper and draw, you know, the four lines on there and, you know, do your own little like snow And uh, that was that was a piece of paper and a pencil, that's about as simple as you could get. <clears throat> and then we had we had Lincoln logs. Now they're they're pieces of wood that look like you know, logs that are hewn to build a cabin with. And you could build different sizes and shapes of cabins and they had, uh, you know, you could do windows and doors and roofs and everything. And that was, you know, that was a fun building thing. And then there was Tinker Toys, which is just basically uh, round dowels of wood varying sizes of uh, larger, round pieces of wood with holes in them. You stick the little dowels and big big things and you make stuff, you know. It was all imagination. You know, they, they gave you instructions on how to build certain things and then the rest of it was up to you. And you could spend, you know, hours or whatever <clears throat> just sitting on the floor, uh, building whatever the hell you wanted to build. Rector sets came along after tin Toys, and that was all metal, and metal burgers and screws and stuff, and that was for a little bit older kids, and it took a little more time and concentration because you actually had to use little tools to, you know, screw the nuts and bolts and shit together. But, you know, if you had a big enough set, and enough pieces, you could make all kinds of, you know... Shit. David. and i'm sure that a lot of uh a lot of people don't realize this that went around then but in the 1950s uh, you could get all kinds of relatively cool toys off of cereal boxes and what i mean is that just about every singer every cereal box she brought home had something that you could send away for or some kind of toy and you had to uh, you know send like two or three or five or ten box tops yeah. you know maybe you know ten cents or something a order um, and you send away for, for different things and uh there was some there was some cool shit you know when you're when you're a kid and it's the 1950s and you don't know any better um And interestingly enough, I discovered some of these things on eBay. Same fucking toys I had in 1954, and I'm I'm amazed that after 60 years, people held on to those things. And you know, the sad part of it is that um, what usually happens is that people hang on to those things until they get really old and then they die and their kids come along and say this is junk and they, you know, either throw it in the trash or they give it to Goodwill or something like that or they sell it off in an estate sale. So, anyway... These, these little toys, they were like three fraud men. You know, this is right after World War II, so we're still kind of uh, dealing with the military. There were these three fraud men. And uh, they had a large comb on one of their feet that you put baking soda in. They put the cap on the foot. And there's a hole in it, so when you put the in water, the water reacted with the baking soda, and if you've ever mixed water and baking soda, you know that it foams up. So anyway, what it does is, it causes the frogman to swim through the water, and they go up, and they go down, and they swim around and shit, and it's fucking amazing that you can make these guys move with just a little bit of baking soda. And they had the atomic submarine, which I also saw in eBay. and it did the same thing, you know, You're making baking soda in the bottom and it would rise up and sink to the bottom, and rise up and sink. To the and they had all these other little warships and crap. Now, when I was a kid in the 1950s, uh, my grandmother lived in Long Beach, just a couple of blocks from the ocean, and she had this huge bathtub in her apartment. It wasn't so much that it was longer than normal bathtubs, but it was so deep that when I was sitting in the tub, I couldn't see over the edge. You know, I had to stand up to look over the edge of the tub. And when I was sitting in the tub, Taking a bath, and <clears throat> you know, there's water in there, and I've got all of my ships and toys and shit in there, and I couldn't see over the edge of the tub. It was just like I was in another fucking world all by myself and my toys, and it was just us in this big lake kind of thing. And I had my submarines and my battleships, and my PT boats, and my frogmen, all that good shit, and, fuck, that was like some of the best shit ever. So, anyway, those were the, uh, the cereal prizes, the cereal games, whatever you call them, that you could get off cereal boxes. And I'm not kidding you, there was just an amazing amount of bullshit you could get, and, Apparently, people still have that crap. So, anyway, that was fun. Um, Then when when you get into the 60s and stuff like that, they have much better board games. And uh, I still have some of those, because some of those were pretty cool, too. Because you have to remember that In the 1950s and early 60s, uh, kids could either play outside, or they could play inside, or read. And that was about it. We had nothing else to do. We didn't have our own phones, we didn't have video games, we didn't even have anything to watch on TV. In the afternoon, it was pretty much soap operas, in the morning you might have had, uh, Captain Kangaroo, or Bozo the Clown, or something like that, to keep you occupied before you go to school, or whatever, but anyway, board games were what you did if you weren't just out running around, <clears throat> and, uh, for the most part, in the 50s, board games were pretty simple. Um, the only ones you really needed, you know, intelligence for were like Monopoly and Scrabble. They've been around for a thousand years or so. But in the 1960s, the board games began to get um, a little tricky here. You had to start thinking about, about what you were going to do. Mm. But, uh, Stratego, Milton Bradley, 1962, uh, that was a great game. I still have mine, my, my Stratego game. That was great. Uh, Dogfight, that's, uh, World War One biplanes, you know, flying and swooping around. Now, that's a lot of fun because you each get, uh, fleet of airplanes, okay, you know, I think it's, you know, the Americans and the Germans for uh, World War One, And you draw cards, I mean, not playing cards, but little cards that tell you what kind of maneuvers your plane is able to do. And you set out across, you know, the you no know, man's land in your airplane, and when you get close enough to an enemy, you, you know, you throw down what you're going to do. Whether you're, you know, shooting at him or doing a barrel roll or whatever. And, you know, then then the other person has to throw down their, their escape plan. A, a loop-to-loop or a sharp right or, you know, and you keep going around and around and around until you finally shoot somebody down well then that guy loses a plane, has to go back, get another one, draw some more cards up, and then you, you know, attack again, and it he goes on and on and on. That was a lot of fun. Still got my copy, my copy. Still got my, my set of that, too, my board game, the whole thing in the box. It's perfect. This is wonderful. It's mine. Another good one that uh, required some... Some skill and cunning was—I uh, can't remember the name of it now—but I think it was like something to do with the Battle of uh, the War of 1812 or something. But it was ships. <coughs> Excuse me. These are sh- sailing ships, and you know you have a set of frigates and a set of ships with cannon, and then you—you're um, either the uh, guys who are defending the port or the people coming in to attack the fort. And uh, the people who are attacking have more ships, but the people who are guarding the fort also have cannon. So, anyway, you know, you get ships that are fighting each other, and then you have cannons that are shooting. So you have to place your ships in a position to avoid getting broadsided or you know blown out of the water or whatever that was a lot of fun too and oh my god what else uh, bookshelf bookshelf games came out in the 60s I don't know if you're familiar with those or not but uh <clears throat> there were a, a number of different games that uh Everything folded up into, you know, like a big book. And you could store them on your bookcase. I've got four of those left over. The one I enjoyed the most was one called Kingmaker. <clears throat> Excuse me, it was the uh, about the War of Roses in England. And that game is so involved that I've only been able to play it one time. 40 years or so that I I bought that game and we played it for three days and I don't think we even finished the damn game that's how involved it is but it's a great game Kingmaker another one was uh, Robert Heinlein's Starship Troopers and it's just like the movie you know You've got the uh, the Marines or whatever they are uh, that you know drop down out of the sky, and they they have to set up a base on the uh, bug world, and then the other player is the bug, and you have this. This one is so involved. I have never gotten anyone to play that came with me I've had it for 40 years and I've never played that it looks like so much fun because you have we well, have a map basically of the of the terrain and <clears throat> as the bug or the, the, the mastermind bug whatever you can tunnel anywhere within a train and basically come up right inside the, uh, the Marines' barracks or whatever or uh, come up wherever you want to attack. Whereas they are stuck in their little fort and they can send out foyers to try to find bug holes and shit like that, but it just looks... So cool, and I love that movie, and Starship Troopers, had a, had a great movie, and the book is fantastic. But I never got to play the damn game. And I have a couple of other ones, too, that are also cool, like most of those bookshelf games were really great, I think they were, you by Avalon or somebody, but, uh, I would still play them if I had anybody I could play them with. And let me see, quick, 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 quick. nothing. Okay. And then finally, in the sixties, they started coming out with uh, games that, uh, well, they weren't board games. You could. Play with them inside. Well, no, some of them you couldn't play inside, but you can play inside or outside. Lawn darts. Remember lawn darts? Know, I'm not talking about the cheap Nerf shit that they have now. I'm talking about the big ones, the ones that were about a foot long, had a four-inch steel spike on the end of it, and had a handle at the back, and the object was you put like a little, you know, a little plastic circle, uh, you know, on either side of the yard, and you'd get, you know, two teams, and you'd throw these lawn darts up in the air and try to make them land, you know, point first, inside the other person's circle. And, of course, you got points for that. Now, who would have thought that you have a foot-long fucking dart with a pointy end on it that you toss up in the air, who would have thought that would be a dangerous game? But apparently, some people complained that their children were getting stabbed in different parts of their body by this game, and they took it off the market. Well, they didn't take it off the market, they just changed it around so it's a pussy, pussy, pussy game now. Instead of a fun game where you got to dodge darts, actually that's what that's what we all called it—dodge darts instead of lawn darts. But anyway, that was a great game. Didn't last very long though. Another cool toy was the Whammo air blaster. You can still purchase those on eBay too, but they want like hundreds of fucking dollars. From things. Anyway, if you don't remember the air blaster, it was a cool, it was a cool toy. It was rather a large, gun-shaped object that had like a big funnel on the end of it. And when you ratchet up this caulking lever, what it does is inside this big round thing, there's a rubber diaphragm, and it pulls... This diaphragm back cocks it and when you pull the trigger it releases that diaphragm and all the air inside this big round thing is funneled out this little tiny arrow opening at the end so you could shoot a blast of air uh you know not very far but it was enough to you know blow out a candle or something um six feet away, and they had a little target that you could, you know, shoot at, and had like little ribbons in it, so when the air hit it, the ribbons would flutter, and you'd know you hit your target. And those were real cool. I mean, they advertised those all over the place when they first came out. But, once again, who knew that if you put one of those air blasters up to your sister's ear and pulled the trigger... Who knew that it would blow out an eardrum? You know, you put it in your mouth and pull the trigger. Anyway, uh, well, they were taken off the market, too. Some people are just no fun at all. Um, when, I was a, when I was a kid, I had a, uh, a pair of six shooters. You know, pistols. Cowboy pistols. Right, I gotcha. And these little fuckers actually shot a small plastic pellet out of a cartridge that you could load up in your gun, you know, a six shooter, and, you know, you pull the trigger and it hits the back of that cartridge and it expels that little plastic bullet at a eh, not a really high velocity, but it did shoot shoot it shot shot the bullets and uh, again you know who knew that you could you know put somebody's eye out with one of those things yeah, right babies anyway so <clears throat> you know back in those days people were not you know so sue happy although they they quickly became such after children started getting hurt but you know, if you're gonna play with with dangerous shit, they're toys for Christ's sake. You know, if you're not watching your kids play with these things, then you shouldn't have them at all. That's some people You never know. All right, we got lawn darts and the air blaster. Yeah, yeah. Um, Trivial Pursuit came out. Number sixties
2: Remember Trivial Pursuits? Oh yeah, me and my dad—we used to play it a lot when I was a kid. Though he'd always get pissed off because I'd win.
3: (laughs) I love trivia. I was so good at that game, and uh, don't have my my copy of that anymore. I don't know where the hell I went, but anyway, that was another good game, Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. So. My point is that uh, we we went from having to use your imagination to entertain yourself when I was a kid to <clears throat> people that you know can't function without their games, their electronic games. They have to spend. So much time playing games, um, that they are just, uh, useless for anything else. You know, can't work, can't go to school. Uh, it's a sad state of affairs. Yes, I spent three days one time playing Kingmaker, but it wasn't like, uh, I did it 24 hours a day or anything. So, what are you going to do? There's too much shit going on. Not enough brains out there to understand it, I guess. But back in the days when you had to uh, invent most of what you... uh, Most of what you played with and everything, I think it was a lot more fun. Yes, yes, you have hand-eye coordination with your, with your games and everything, but it's all laid out for you and you don't have to think about it. Not like you had to plot to, uh, games, the old games. The old days are gone. I'm sure most of you are happy about that, although you don't know what you missed, I guess. It was a long time ago, and things are different now. Dave, I know, uh, was a child of the 80s, I guess, so you missed out on a a lot of that good shit, too. But... I'm sure he doesn't. He doesn't think he missed out on anything. You, Dave, you had enough to do, I guess, when you were a kid.
2: I don't know. I we always had games. I mean, a lot of the games that you talked about, I had played. You know, I my grandmother was very notorious when she was alive to going out and getting stuff, you know, at yard sales. So, uh, you know, coming home with used stuff you know old games was not uncommon you know when I was growing up Um, but yeah you know I, I had other things to keep me occupied you know back in the day when I was a little kid you know outside was actually an adventure as far as board games though um let's see Clue definitely Clue I remember playing that to death um and then Battleship, which I don't know. I guess Battleship. Now you're getting into the, you know, the more electronic games, Um, and then Monopoly. Oh God, can't forget Monopoly. I played Monopoly to death. Um, In fact, uh, I can still. I have uh, a Wii, you know, Nintendo Wii here at the house, and. And uh, we have Monopoly. And then once in a while, you know, we'll even sit down and and play that. It's just, it doesn't matter what medium or what platform it's on. It's just a fun game. I enjoy it. Um, Risk. Risk was, I think Risk was the first time where I had to start thinking strategically. You know, and I was just a little kid. And when you think about battle maneuvers and stuff like that and how you're going to take over the country, that was pretty cool um let's see what else games was there Uh, I, I was never big on like Candyland um, or anything like that um, I had shoots and Ladders and uh, of course Trivial Pursuit love that game we had uh, Checkers you know I was actually a really big checker player um, all the way up until about high school I, I really enjoyed checkers. Never got into the checker team or anything like that, but just playing checkers. Uh, let's see, what else? There was, um... Oh, what's that game called? Well, again, I guess this one was not so much a board game, but of course, you know, the, the notorious Hungry Hungry Hippo, I remember playing that. And, uh, you know, the Mousetrap game, I, I remember playing that. That was good. Um... Oh, goodness, there was... Now that, you know, I sit and think about it, I guess there was a lot of board games from my childhood that I really never even thought about. But, uh yeah, I mean, you know, I was right there with you. I, I played a lot of board games, and and uh it's pretty much, you know, what I grew up on, other than, like I said, being outside. But, you know, nowadays, it's it's more... It's all virtual, you know. There's nothing physical much in this world anymore, as far as game-wise, and uh, you know. Unfortunately, I think the the kids of of this era is missing out on the the physical enjoyment of of board games.
3: Yeah, I think I uh, <clears throat> rather talked a bit much this time, but you know, whatever. So I will uh, say adieu, good night, and hopefully we'll see you next time. And Dave, you can sign us off. Good night, all.
2: Okay, Tara. and, and for the record, let me just say I would not mind if you sat and talked for three hours straight because I've said this many, 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 many times. Is I just I enjoy the the stories that you tell and. and you know, jumping in the Wayback Machine, and, and though I wasn't alive during that era, you know, the way you tell your stories kind of gets me back, you know, time travels back to that time, so I I enjoy your your stories, um, so no worries on, um, you know, talking, that's that's cool, that's what we're here for. Anyway, folks, um, for Terry D. Shear, I am David K. Montoya, and Until next week, I bid you all a good night.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was I right? I was thinking. I was contemplating my... Totally meditating. Yes. (sighs) And thinking about my old ColecoVision. Trying to. I miss Donkey Kong. I remember playing Donkey Kong in the arcade. Do you remember arcades? I do. Uh, Yes. Not, because I'm so young. You're older than I am. Shh. They can't tell. <laughs> Anyways, yes. Now no, the um, I didn't, I had the ColecoVision vision growing up, and then they said the ColecoVision vision kind of. Went into, I don't know if you remember this, the TurboGrafx-16. I do remember that. Yeah. That had the little caveman dude Yes, it, it did. Boink or something like that? Bonk. Bonk. There we go. Yeah, I remember I was so excited. The very first time I beat that game, mm-hmm. I felt so accomplished. I remember the original. I peaked t- everything with that 12 years old. You peaked? I, that was it? That was it. <laughs> downhill from there. <laughs> See, mine, I used to play this game in the arcade called Xenophobe, and I loved it. Yeah. All right. You know, shooting aliens, the whole bit. Yeah. Came out on the Nintendo. Yeah. And I oh, I went and bought it. I beat the game in half an hour. <laughs> I was so mad. So, so much for no game replay, huh? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Do you know what will help you get over your uh, your xenophobe blues? Probably nothing, but give it a whirl. I bet you I do know something that will help you. What's that? Another podcast. <sighs> That just might do it. Yes. Wow, that doesn't sound staged. No. No. Our next one is (laughs) Don't Get Us Started, number seven. The Habits of Supremely Happy People. Why are they studying my habits? Yeah, you're happy. (laughs) I'm always happy. This one says, this week Sadie and Lacey get into what makes those lucky people who are always happy so damn happy as they examine their most popular and most common habits among them. Ah, all right all right mm. let's uh let's everybody pay close attention mm-hmm. and we can maybe pick up on a little something that we can use in our lives. We'll all be happy people absolutely here have some kool-aid yeah. oh, <laughs> hey, oh. Ooh, yeah that's a little yeah, yeah. <laughs> here we go this yeah. is uh, don't get us started number seven
4: Hi everybody and welcome I am S. Sadie Burbank and I am Lacey Montoya thanks for listening to don't, don't get us started. Get us started. And how's everybody this week? I hope they're doing well. I hope so too. I'm excited because cooler weather. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. I'm excited because we have what is apparently our first, I'm going to call it our first because the one that we got before I don't know for sure was for our show, but this is our first for sure email okay oh, about our show yay and as soon as I put my paper clip on this thing and move some stuff around here I'm gonna we'll read get it situated to yeah okay so here's our email brown bag as all right on, what do we think uh, this is sent to us from Mandy st. John hi Mandy in New York City regarding episode 5. Now, was our autism? Yes. Okay. She says, what a beautiful episode. God bless you, Lacey and your husband, for all of your love to your autistic child. Thank you to David K. Montoya for a brief explanation about the sound quality and the mishap. Yes. Sadie, thank you for reaffirming and asking great questions about autism.
5: She sure was picking my brain. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, it was a it was easy to do because I consider you to be knowledgeable and I'm not and I had a lot of but it was questions. hard for
5: me because it's an everyday that's my everyday life so I don't see it as anything different.
4: Well, I know, but because I do that's why <laughs> right. I that's why I could ask questions. And for those of you who do not know the um, uh message that David had to present to the listening audience was uh, because uh, my we, mic had, a, was we off. had a microphone malfunction, and so Lacey's uh, comments were only quietly heard, but he spent three days and three hours fixing the problem, and uh, I haven't listened to it, but... Apparently at least according to Mandy St. John he did a good job because Thank you was, Mandy and thank you David for fixing it. I wouldn't have so it any we, other way. Yeah and we could not have redone that episode had our lives depended no, on it. No because it was
5: heartfelt. You were asking questions. We can't we can't we're not actors.
4: We no. cannot redo it. No there's there's no way. We didn't have a script. We weren't no. working from a script or was a list of felt. questions or anything else like that. So it would have been impossible. Um, when I forgot, I was supposed to say this at the beginning, but I don't guess it matters too much whether I say it now or at okay. the beginning. Uh, I'm supposed to ask our listeners if they would do me a favor. Uh, some of you know I've written a book called Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner. And it is and has been out and available uh, on at least Amazon and probably several other online locations, um, but what I'd like to do, if I could ask you to do it, is to contact your local bookstores, preferably the Barnes and Nobles, because I think that's about all there is, is Barnes and Noble, unless you They have the mom and pop bookstores. Right, right. But other than that, I don't think there are any big name ones, but practically every major town in the country... Has a Barnes and Noble, At least in this country... Has a Barnes and Noble, and um, I don't know if they're international or not. To be very honest with you, I'm not sure. If if, if you live in a country that doesn't have Barnes and Noble, just uh, go get a cup of coffee or something while you while this is going on. Then you don't have to listen to it. Or they can ask their own bookstores. Or they could ask your own bookstore. Yeah, because it has an ISBN number and all that other stuff um, registered with the Library of Congress in the United States and so yes. on. Anyhow, if you would ask your bookstore to please carry Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner by S. C. D. Burbank. If you choose not to buy it later on, that's your decision. But I'm anxious for the book to get into the stores, and apparently the only way now that we can get it into the stores without uh, being somebody or knowing somebody is to have the general public request it. Oh. And if enough people request it, um, in fact, even if one person requests it, I've been told that they will get the book in. Like I said, if you, if you change your mind and think, well, I don't want to buy it. I want to buy it online or something like that. Well, that's your uh, decision. And uh, they will go ahead and put it on the shelf, and it will be available in the store. I Personally, I'd much rather see it, you know, down the middle row there yeah. on the table with all the other hot books. But, uh, you know, we do what we can. Uh, Baby steps. So, yeah. I'm hoping to also get a gig doing a book signing Something That would be awesome. I know. It would be so much fun to do that. Uh, so, anyhow, if you guys can and would help me out by doing that, I'd appreciate it. Say the name again? Uh, it's Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner by S. Sadie Burbank. And there, that's so it. So, they just call their Barnes and & Nobles and ask? They just call them up and say, do you have this book Okay, a- in the store? And they'll go, no, because they don't. You right. know, it's available, but they don't know it. And so they'll, <clears throat> then they'll look it up in their whatever inventory okay. acquisition book they have. Maybe or we whatever. should post
5: the ISBN number.
4: I don't know. Because they're, they're probably going to ask well, that. Well, David, when he announced it on What We Think, he didn't go into that. So I don't know.
5: Maybe he didn't think about it. I I'm don't not know sure.
4: they're going to need But that. like
5: when you're searching for books. You yeah. know that's the way well, they find I it. I don't
4: know. I think they have the bookstore probably has that it's got to be cross-referenced by name or or I mean by title or by author. it's, it's got to be. I'm
5: about making the job easier. So well, if you no. give them all the information they
4: right there I in would, front of but them. I don't have my my copy with me. I don't know where We'll David's have Dana copy put is. it up and for us. If if there is a uh if he can find the ISBN then I'll have we'll, we're going to leave a space right here.
5: ISBN
4: number here. Okay. Okay. So that's where David's going to say the ISBN number if there is one that he thinks is necessary. Yeah. If you didn't hear a number said right then, that's because he didn't think it was necessary, so don't worry about it. Anyhow, uh, if you could do that, that would really be cool, and I would appreciate it. Yes. We saw, uh, we went to Barnes & Noble ourselves at the mall not too long ago, uh-huh. my husband and I, and we they were like... There were people in line out the door, and they all had, like, wristbands on and everything. Oh. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I couldn't, I didn't, you know. Right. There was a an author who uh, has written, I don't know, at least two books I saw. In the hands of people in line. Okay. And she was doing a book signing. Oh. She's Hispanic, and the books were in Spanish Okay. as nearly as I could tell without just going up and saying, you know, who is this and what's up. Right. Uh, and they did have a poster up, but I, I don't read Spanish, so I couldn't understand okay. it. Okay. Um, anyhow, she was doing a book signing, and I've got to tell you, there were probably 200 people in that line. It wow. was a long line. Wow! Very well received author. So.
5: But we don't know what her book's about.
4: No, I don't have okay. clue. I don't even know what her name was. But the whole thing is, I could just see myself doing yes. the same thing, and I'm like, yeah, me, I want to do that. So. With
5: her purple sharpie.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have a purple sharpie. But like we'll have to get one when we when one. we do the book. I need a purple Sharpie. I need purple everything. Oh, yes. Purple is my color. So, anyway, if you do that for me, cool. Thank you.
5: Thank you. if you
4: can't, okay. That's okay. That's cool, too. But tell your friends. Yeah, if you know anybody that would be willing to do it, too, spread the word. You know, we can always have more than one request, even to the same bookstore. That's cool. Because if they got, if, if. Let's just assume it was our local store here. If right. They I got 10 requests for my book.
5: They're going to say, hmm, what's up with yeah, that? Let's get in our store. they might.
4: They might be saying, hmm, what's up with that book? Yeah. And should we get that in there? Because yes. look at all the people that want it. Yes. So, there you go. Anyway, that would be fun. <clears throat> Let's How see. was your week? My week. How was my week? Busy. Busy. You survived well, Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> Went to a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. And I got to tell you, I was not looking forward to it because... Heretofore, Chuck E. Cheese has not necessarily been my favorite place to go, but it should be said But they had bad that reputation time, about
5: cardboard pizza.
4: They have a bad rep for their pizza, yeah. And the last time oh, we went was probably eight or nine years ago. Yeah. For the birthday of a child, the grandchild actually of a friend of mine. And um it was like huh. Eh, it was noisy. There were kids running around. It well, was dodge Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> I, mean, I mean I mean, besides that, it was just—that's all that happened. There right. was just kids running around and yelling and screaming and and nonsense. The food, the food was, mm. anyhow. So I wasn't terribly much looking forward to this, but they're good friends, and um, we wouldn't miss this little girl's birthday party for the world. So, we. Bit the big weenie, as it were, and we went to check E. Cheese. Sucked it up, buttercup. Yeah, and it was actually very pleasant. We had, A, great food. Uh-huh. And, I mean, they had a salad bar that was well-presented, fresh, crispy, attractive. Uh-huh. Tasty, lots of choices. And their pizza changed. Their pizza is tasty now. And their pizza has changed and, and has more pizza flavor, less salt and sugar flavor. Uh-huh. Uh, they also had sent, this mommy had ordered sandwiches and a platter of vegetables besides the salad bar. Okay. And mommy spent we, a lot of
5: money on this daughter's birthday.
4: Probably, <laughs> probably. And there were, uh, they gave you cups, you know, because they have a drink bar, you know, you mm-hmm. can go and get one. And we Self-serve. Had, we got tea because that's what we like. We're not soda drinkers, per se, sometimes, but only the diet ones if we do because of Ernie's diabetes right. and stuff. So anyway, and I don't need the calories. So anyway, uh, we had tea. But it was, uh, and, and, and then the party part itself, there were like. Yes, because the party, if you're not familiar five, with Chuck E. Cheese. There were five tables mm-hmm. reserved for five different party kids. Right. And they were, we were all there at once. Mm-hmm. Everybody was there having their own kid having their party. And each table had its own little ta- cute little birthday tablecloth. And little birthday cups and plates and and these uh, sort of plastic balloons in the shape of I think microphones. I never did quite understand what that was about. Ernie said, "Excuse me," he said it had something to do with um, uh, what playing is the air guitar. What is that? What is that singing thing you do? It starts with a K in in bars. Karaoke. Yeah, he said it was for kids karaoke. And okay. Go, okay, could have been. I don't know. And they had a blow up guitar that was about two and a half feet tall, big blow up guitar. Uh-huh. With each kid's who was a birthday kid, uh-huh. their name, first name written on it. Uh-huh. So you knew what table was yours, okay. which was cool. Since we got there before the mom and the kids, it was kind of <laughs> nice. And it was weird because we we'll walk in and this lady's going, "Grandma, Grandpa," and I'm like, "Huh?" And I turn around and it's this woman. Who was a friend of my friend. Okay. And my friend had entered, had told this lady that we were coming and that we're grandma and grandpa because uh, like with your daughter and son, we call ourselves grandma and grandpa to them. We call ourselves grandma and grandpa to everybody. When you get to be 73, that's who you are. Just, that's it. So, and it doesn't bother me any. I'm cool with that. So anyhow, we turned around and we go, yes. <laughs> and she goes, hey, are you here for so-and-so's party? And I go, yeah, we are. And so it was fun. We got to meet her and all that kind of stuff. Well, then so-and-so showed up and the party continued. But what was amazing to me was that with all these little kids, and, and I, there may have been a handful who were over the age of 10 or 12. Okay. Most of these kids are under the age of 6 as a rule. In all the parties. Okay. Right. And they got the moms and the presents and the dads and the what and the and cameras you, and all tabor, that stuff.
5: Tables lined up against the back
4: area well, actually, where you have parties. Actually they weren't lined up, but they were they were actually just set up in the in the back area right. as opposed to the game playing area. Right. And uh, and there were booths and things with, that people also could mm-hmm. sit in to that that participated. But in any case, uh, they had the the staff organized everything to the moment. They had everything timed perfectly so that each kid felt like it was his own party right. and nobody else was involved uh, except Chuck E. Cheese, of course. Right, you know, he had to be involved. Uh, and and they would. They would have the kids do, they had them play air guitar on their little blow-up guitars, and they had them, uh, they have this ticket booth that they go in, and they steal the door and then the, turn on the machine, and the right. tickets fly all over the place, and the kids are supposed to catch tickets, right. and, and they... The even, same concept some, as the money booth. Yeah, some of the littler ones that, that had trouble with that, one of the uh, employees would go in and help them. And That's so awesome. Cute, you know, they grab tickets and put them in their bag for them and stuff. And then uh, the Chuck E. Cheese came out, and he, you know, he did his thing with them, and they all sang, and everybody sang happy. Birthday. They actually sang Happy Birthday too. Uh, the Happy Birthday family is making a bundle off Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, they sing the actual Happy Birthday song. Oh, uh, so royalties. So it's not a Happy Birthday cha cha cha. No, 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 it's not. It's Happy Birthday to you. Happy ah. Birthday, you know. Anyhow, I don't want to pay royalties, so I won't say Right. <laughs> anyway, they did all of this in, in such a way that, that, like I said, each kid was felt like it was his party, and that was happening like simultaneously. There were six parties right. going on. It was amazing to watch what, what organizational skill these people yes. have. And these, the kids that were staffing the thing, that were doing the work, are amazing. They just, you know, they've done this a thousand times, but none of them looked that way. They no. all looked like this was the first time. We've had several birthday parties at wonderful Chuck E Cheese, time, you know, and everybody was it was great. Yeah. We actually stayed for the whole thing. Uh she actually wound up unwrapping her gifts there, which I was kind of surprised she did because uh I thought it might be too confusing with all the people there and whatnot, but no, she wanted, and she got to open her presents, and we stayed for that, we had cake, cake was delicious, the, my husband ate the cake, and he never eats cake, he never eats cake and frosting, he ate the cake and the uh. frosting, he thought it was delicious, the ice cream, the, uh, you know, I don't, I know it sounds like I work for him, but I don't work for Chuck E. Cheese. And for those of you who are outside of the realm of Chuck E. Cheese, that would be anybody outside of the United States, I suspect. I don't think they're international. I apologize. I should have probably prefaced all this by saying Chuck E. Cheese is, a, is the name given to the mouse character who is their icon yes. for this uh, company, restaurant company mm-hmm. chain that... Uh, That's what they do. They do kids' birthday parties. It's teaching kids
5: to gamble early. You get tokens and you play games. You
4: (laughs) put them in the machine. You get to play a game. And you get the tokens. Well, some of the kids got the tokens just by showing up. Like the birthday girl, with the tokens in her hat. That's only
6: for the birthday parties.
4: um, and then they bought tokens. Yes. The mom bought cups of tokens for the participating kids. Mm-hmm. So they could go and play. They could ride the ride. There's little rides and stuff like that. Little kitty and rides. And it's a, it's, it's a, oh, how big a place is it? Probably, uh, 1500 square feet or so. Yeah. And so it's a good sized place. And the noise level is just beyond hope. But, um, I mean, I, I my ears are still ringing, but that's okay <laughs> because you expect that. And they have um, television screens and music and little flashing lights. And, oh, my God, it's just, for a kid, it's just, heaven on earth i guess they for a kid it'd be like
5: an adult going to las vegas yeah kind of
4: yeah i i could say that's probably the flashing the lights and the
5: dingling of the coins yeah and, yeah but
4: I, I actually really we really both of us had a, a, a surprisingly good yeah because i called
5: and checked on you saturday yes, evening after I you concerned. survived check cheese and we
4: had very well it was uh it was a lot of fun i would definitely go back um the, like I said, the food was great, was tremendous. So if you are hesitant yourself about going to a Chuck E. Cheese, I would hope that our Chuck E. Cheese here in Southern California yes. is, is typical of any Chuck E. Cheese anywhere. insofar far so. as the way it was run. Uh, and, I think the and chains everything.
5: pretty much, they so stay even.
4: I, I can say fairly confidently that if you have a chance to go, you should go because it was a lot of fun. I had, I enjoyed it. Did you get your hand stamped? No, I didn't. They didn't but, stamp your hand. Well, no, because you had told me that they do that. They stamp the hands of the adult caregivers mm-hmm. and the children for whom they care. Yep when they come in so that because no child is allowed out by themselves uh-huh. and they want to make sure that the child, when it goes and out, And it's goes not a out, stamp
5: you can see. It's only seen underneath black light, so right, you and can't. And they want to
4: make sure that the child goes out with the proper yes, adult person. Yes, and I like that. And so when we came, and they have a little sign sort of that says that. It's kind of mm-hmm. small and it's wordy, but it says it. And uh, so when we got there, I just told the lady, I said, we're here for... So, it's no party, but, uh, we don't have any children right. with us and we're not taking any out. And she said, right. okay, and just let us yeah. in. So, but had I said, it's my granddaughter and I might be taking her out to the car for, for some reason, reason right. she would have definitely. You
5: uh, would have had the same stamp as stamped, the child.
4: Right, so that, so that she would be protected. And so that's a cool thing, I think.
5: I like it because What's there's that? too Do many oh. child of okay. being, children being abducted.
4: Yeah, we don't we don't want uh, we don't want to take our kids to a birthday party and then have somebody uh, take, take them, them home. away. That's right. not that's not the idea. So uh, anyhow, it was fun. Had a good time. Uh, kind of laid around that night. Didn't do too much of anything else afterwards. I think we went to Burger King afterwards for dinner.
5: Yeah, when I called, you guys were getting ready yeah, to step out. because
4: I was not about to cook after having a four-hour hoop to do at the
5: kitty no. birthday party. But it was fun. And I'm getting ready for my little one's and birthday.
4: i bit getting ready for that next weekend. It's coming. me birthday I can't party. believe
5: she's going to be two.
4: Yeah. me is what the baby calls Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. She hasn't let, yet quite learned. She's improved, though. She's yes. gone from me Me-Mau to Me-Mouse. She's got the K. She, and, she, and she got a... I didn't hear a Mickey. K. But she's, she's definitely got an S in there now, mm-hmm. and I hadn't heard that before. And it's
5: so cute. I'll sing M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-C, and then she'll say... Mickey
4: Mouse, oh, it's so cute. cute. Yeah, well, it's cute to us. Oh yeah. Probably, not know, like, blah oh, blah. Blah For blah. God's Sakes, any kid that can't sing Mickey Mouse, you know, but anyway, it's just cute. Hey, it's just the way it is. We we like the child. She's a good kid. She's funny. Her her verbal skills are improving daily, uh, and sometimes not so much. And she's at that pitch the fit. Oh, yeah. Stage.
5: Terrible twos. Yeah, it's hilarious.
4: She just did that this afternoon. She pitched a fit in the kitchen, and nobody was in there to watch it. So she came in looking for her mother so she could <laughs> I thought it was funny as hell. But that's just me because, like I told her, I've seen lots of fits. Yeah, but see,
5: grandmas can walk out the front door giggling that's as right. mom's pulling that's her right. hair out. When
4: grandma gets to go home. Uh-huh. You're the one that's got to put up with that. Crap. Uh-huh. Well, it's your fault. No, oh, it's okay. You? I came across something I thought was interesting. Oh, what's that? I was, I uh, I forget what the hell I was doing on the computer. Um,
5: Probably shopping. Yeah, probably. (laughs) uh, I do spend a little
4: time shopping on the computer. But I came across this thing uh, by a psychiatrist. Uh Oh? Or psychologist, I'm sorry. A guy named Martin Seligman, the father of positive psychology. I actually believe I've heard that name in uh, Psych 1A in college. Um, and he says, and he has this theory, uh, that uh, 60% of happiness is determined by our genetics and our environment.
5: I believe with the environment.
4: The remaining 40% is up to us. Okay. Which I found kind of interesting, because that gives you almost a 50-50 chance happy. To of be being a bitch happy. or happy. <laughs> and... This is actually called The Habits of Supremely Happy People. Oh. Now, you would think, if somebody was to say to you, um, what would it take for you to be supremely happy, and I don't mean you, Lacey, I mean you, the listener in general, you might say something like, Well, if I had enough money to get all my bills paid, I'd be supremely happy. Or if my child was healthy and I had enough money to get all my bills paid, I'd be supremely happy. Or if I was thin and gorgeous and sexy and my child was healthy and I had enough money to get all my bills paid. It could go on
5: and on. Yeah,
4: but, you know, it's going to boil down to those kinds of things as a rule. Well. I wanted these to take not, a nice vacation. These are not things that make people su- supremely happy, but these are their habits. Okay. These are people who um, he has decided, I guess, that they are. Let me let me see if I can figure that part out. He says, um, "Seligman describes three kinds of happy lives: the pleasant life, in which you fill your life with as many pleasures as you can." the life of engagement, where you find a life in your work, parenting, love and leisure, and the meaningful life, which consists of knowing what your highest strengths are and using them to belong to and in the service of something larger than you are. After exploring what accounts for ultimate satisfaction, Seligman says that he was surprised. The pursuit of pleasure research determined, has hardly any contribution to a lasting fulfillment. Instead, pleasure is the whipped cream and the cherry that adds a certain sweetness to satisfactory lives found by the simultaneous pursuit of meaning and engagement. And he further says, It might sound like a big feat to tackle great concepts like meaning and engagement, Pleasure sounded much more doable. Happy people have habits you can introduce into your everyday life that may add to the bigger picture of bliss. Joyful folk have certain inclinations that add to their pursuit of meaning and motivate them along the way. So, in a way, he's saying these are the habits of supremely happy people, but in essence, he's also saying these habits continue to help them be supremely happy. Okay. Okay. So, the first thing he lists is they, the supremely happy people, or heretofore afterwards referred to as the SHP, (laughs) they surround themselves with other happy people. Yes. I can see that one. I can totally see that because we were talking, what, I don't Mm -hmm. know, a couple episodes ago about how negativity begets negativity. And positivity brings positive uh, responses in in everyday life. And so if you surround yourself with happy people. Yes. Who are genuinely happy. Not just faking it, as it were.
5: Well, hanging out with you and hanging out with other people. I'd rather hang out with you because you're more positive. You have a positive thing to say about any situation.
4: Well I try. <laughs> I try. But I feel
5: more happy to hang out with you than other people in my life because there you go. They're there negative you. all the
4: time. And yeah. it, I can feel myself mood change when I hang out with these certain people. Cool. And it says joy is contagious. Mm-hmm. So in other words, so is happiness. Uh so you dump the Debbie Downers and spend <laughs> more time with uplifting people. Yes. As it were. Uh, they smile when they mean it. And, and I thought, well, yeah, but he says, even if you're not feeling so chipper, cultivating a happy thought and then smiling about it could up your happiness levels and make you more productive. So if you're not feeling too excited or thrilled or charmed that day... Psych yourself out. Then you psych yourself out. You you. Remind yourself of I don't know what, but whatever, whatever makes you happy. Whatever makes or made you happy at some time or other, if you think about that and just smile, yes, just the act of smiling. Well, it it can takes you more happy.
5: muscles in your face to frown than what it does to smile. This is true.
4: This is true. Well, in a way, then frowning could be looked at as uh, exercise, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll um, have to ask
5: our trainer about that one.
4: Right. They cultivate resilience. She'll say no. It says, uh, according to a psychologist named Peter Kramer, resilience, not happiness, is the opposite of depression. I'm going to say that again because I think it bears repeating. Resilience, not happiness, is the opposite of depression. Mm. Happy people know resilience is like a padding for the inevitable hardship human beings are bound to face. As a Japanese proverb goes, fall seven times and stand... Hang on, I turned the page. i got to find my location here. Stand up eight, I believe is what it said. Yes. Um, so, yeah, fall seven times and stand up eight. So uh, rather than say, I'm, I'm depressed and I wish I was happy... If we say, I'm depressed and I need to be more resilient, we'll be happier, yes. I guess, is what they're saying. I thought that was an interesting thought, actually, because we all have things to face. That's yeah. what life and is. Life. life is is not contrary to what, what a lot, to what a lot of kids would like to think. Life's not a great big picnic for the grown-ups. No. In fact, it's probably the least picnicky time there is. Yes. It's more of a picnic when you're a kid, or should be anyhow, than when you're an adult. Right. Of course, there are exceptions to everything. Yes. We all know there are lots of kids who are not having a picnic with life, and for them they no. are sorry. Yes. But that's not what we're talking about today. No. Okay, the uh, supremely happy people, the SHPs, they try to be happy and I wrote, not just sit and wait for happiness to bestow itself upon them.
5: Don't wait for it to come knocking at your door.
4: It's simple. It's as simple as it sounds. It says, just trying to be happy can boost your emotional well-being. It can. So how do you try to be happy? What do you think you try? What do you think you do to try to be happy? Let's say you wake up and you're feeling like I don't know, shitty.
5: I look for the positive because I wake up feeling shitty all the time. And if I don't look for anything positive for the day, forget it. I'm a bitch. I'm nasty. I'm hateful. Okay. So I find so, the positive. So My if, daughter or my you son don't giggling. Find an,
4: if you don't find a positive. I always do, though. Okay. 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 Because I didn't get that out of what you said the first time. Okay. So you find something. uh It could be something silly. Find some reason to be happy. Yes. If, if nothing else, the fact that you have a roof over your head and there are people who don't. Yes. Um, you have food in your yeah. refrigerator, there are people who don't. There are mm-hmm. people who don't have a refrigerator. Right. There are people who do not have any of the blessings that any of the listeners has at this point in time. Right. However meager your blessings are your Benefits in life may be there are there's always somebody with less. Yes Uh, And if you don't think so take a look at any third world country. Yep Okay, the SHPs are mindful of the good And I thought well, you know again this sounds so yeah But it says it's important to celebrate great hard-earned accomplishments but happy people give attention to their smaller victories, too. When we take time to notice the things that go right, it means we're getting a lot of little rewards throughout the day. So, in other words, if, uh, if a bad thing happens and you let that ruin your day, it's because you're not focusing on the fact that up until that moment, everything else was going really good. Right. So you have to just kind of say, oh, well, that shouldn't have happened. Wish that hadn't happened or whatever. Should but happen thank and God go it on. didn't happen all day long. Right. And go on. So they're mindful of the good.
0: And now a word from our Sponsors.
4: They appreciate simple pleasures. And you and I have talked about this lots of times, how we get a kick out of just about anything that somebody might consider to be so extraordinary mundane, extraordinarily mundane, that it wouldn't bear noticing. A meticulously swirled ice cream cone. Uh Uh-huh. A boundlessly waggy dog. Happy people. Take the time to appreciate the easy-to-come-by pleasures, finding meaning in the little things, and practicing gratitude for all that you do have. Now, you know, at this point, I can hear a lot of our listeners going, could we just be a little bit more Pollyannic? <laughs> I, and I kind of get where you'd be coming from, uh, but maybe you're in need of this information a lot more than some of our other listeners. Yes. Uh The the people who understand, like I said, happiness is not something that just bestows itself upon you because you showed up. You really kind of have to work at it. It's like living with somebody. Living with another human being of either sex is a job and a half. Yes, it is. It's a real chore to creatively, successfully share an abode Mm -hmm. with another human being of any age, of any sex,
5: and it doesn't matter how long you've been in, married. Neither it's any part of the world.
4: I don't care where you live. You're
5: two individuals with two different minds.
4: You're you're going to have to work at it to to make it successful. What
5: was it I read somewhere? A happy marriage is a marriage where you can fall in love with that person over and over again.
4: Yeah, well, it's kind of like dieting. You know, you you know from your own experience, you mm-hmm. go on a diet every minute. You Uh know, uh, dieting is not something you wake up one morning and say, okay, I'm on a diet, and then you never say that again. You have to say it constantly Uh because constantly we're bombarded with thoughts of food. So, yeah, uh, uh, same thing with a a marriage or or any kind of
2: uh, relationship relationship
4: where you're, I don't care if it's a a college roommate or or somebody's mother is staying with you because... uh, she can't take care of herself anymore, whatever the case, whatever living arrangement you have with another human being of any age, of any sex, takes a lot of work and a lot of give and take. Yes. And I purposefully emphasized those words in that way, because if you give more, you'll take more than you will if you don't give. Right. They devote some of their time to giving. Speaking of giving, even though there are only 24 hours in a day, positive people fill some of that time doing good for others, which in return does some good for the do-gooders themselves. Yes. And this is true. When you volunteer to help somebody out, uh, it says here, in a mental or uh, uh, physical health department or something like that, then you... Uh you benefit, they benefit, everybody benefits. It's yes. a it's a cool thing. Uh anytime you have something to give that somebody wants, you just uh the other day gave uh some baby clothes and furniture and things to someone who needed uh, it. needed them and and possibly could have gotten some on their own, but you gave them an opportunity to have more than they could have had on their own. Yeah. And uh it made you feel good. It oh, it made, made them me feel, feel awesome. Good. Uh, it made, uh, friends of theirs and relatives of theirs feel good. Uh, and they, in turn, turn around and, and gift you because yes. they want you to have, uh, a gift for, for helping them out. So, it's, um that's just the way it works. The more nice stuff you do for people, the nicer you feel. It about makes it. you
5: feel good as an individual. It makes you feel
4: good. It makes them feel good. Um she's gonna be a new
5: mommy. She, Just recently
4: married. And she needed baby clothes like crazy. Yes, and I had all kinds of furniture. And you had baby clothes like crazy. Uh Uh-huh. And here's another thing supremely happy people do. They let themselves lose track of time. It says, and sometimes they can't help it. When you're immersed in an activity that's simultaneously challenging, invigorating, and meaningful, you experience a joyful state called flow, F L O W. Happy people seek this sensation of getting caught up and carried away, which diminishes self-consciousness and promotes the feelings associated with success. Uh, And I I can sort of identify with that because it's like, uh, well, when we do the podcast, for example. Now, we do the podcast because we enjoy doing it. We think it's going to be something that the listeners are going to want to hear. We're not getting no money out of it. No, we're not getting nothing out of it. Uh, but when we're done, I'm always uh, and you are too, of the feeling of my gosh, this has been an hour already. Right. You do lose yourself in the the doing of the thing. And Same so, thing at the
5: gym. It's like we're done
4: already. Yeah, darn yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And so there. So and also they they mix the small talk for deeper conversation. Nix, N-I-X. They, they avoid the small talk for the deeper conversation. That's for those of you that are not familiar with the term Nix. Uh, it's sort of a, an Americanism, I suppose. Uh, nothing's wrong with uh, shouting... Uh, it says no, oh, nothing's wrong with shooting the shit every now and then, but sitting down to talk about whatever makes you tick is a prime practice for feeling good about life. Okay. So, in other words, it's not all surface stuff. Eventually, right. you're going to have to sit down and say, now... Deep cleaning. What's... what's <laughs> the soul? What, yeah, what, what, what really turns you on? Right. You know, and you and I have sort of talked about these yeah. topics from time to time and thought about kind of putting them out. We did put out a request on a couple of uh, episodes ago about people sending in... Uh, information or emails about uh, how they vent. Right. How do you vent? Um, and if you haven't done that yet and you want to, you can certainly email us and, and let us know because we're always interested in, in that sort of thing. But you might also uh, be interested in letting us know what makes you happy, um, because you may you may hit on something we haven't hit on here in this uh, paper. They spend money on other people. The supremely happy people do. Now, this I love buying gifts. This, of course, assumes that there's money enough in their coffers to give money. You don't want you. You can't go. uh, You can't give what what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. Very well said. Uh, They say maybe money does buy happiness. Um, Hmm. A study published in uh, Science magazine. Found that spending money on other people has a more direct impact on happiness than spending money on oneself. I can see that. So, uh, if you, if you buy something for somebody and they appreciate it, you feel good yes. yourself as though you had bought the thing for, for your yourself own, right. to start with. Uh, or if you, uh, if you contribute to a charity, let's say. Uh, and there are certainly lots of them out there. God, I think we're on everybody's list. We're we're on so many charitable donations lists anymore. It's it's scary, and sadly we can't contribute to all of them. Right. It. it was funny. My mailman one day came with a pile of mail, and and uh, on top of it was one of the uh, organizations we contribute to. Okay. It. I commented. I said, you know, I I really wish I could. Could give more. I could wish that there was more money to give to all of the solicitors that we get. I so said we get so many, and he said he unfortunately has a um, someone on his route, an older lady, older than me even, who um, he she commented to him one day that uh, she just couldn't give any more. She didn't have any more money left. Right. And he said I. He said I think she must send money to everybody that asks her which is kind of sad because you know you have to you know the old saying charity begins at home yes and you do of course need to watch out for yourself but sometimes just spending a nickel or two on somebody can can make a difference you know you buy somebody a a coke (laughs) one day you know hey that one's on me or you're at starbucks or some other similar place and uh, you say I'll, I'll I'll buy the coffee this right. time. Right. Just little things like that doesn't have to be a fortune. No. Can make a big difference to both of you. It says they make a point to listen. When you listen, you open up your ability to take in more knowledge versus blocking the world with your words or your distracting thoughts. And I can remember lots of times as a child. My dad would say, you know, if you'd shut your mouth, you'd learn more. <laughs> or my brother's thing, favorite thing to say was, nobody wants to hear what you've got to say. Oh, no. Why don't you listen to what they're saying? Well, this was when I was a child blabbermouth. Right. As my father called it, the prattler. <laughs> he used to prattle in his words. I, I don't know where he got that verb, but uh, I always was called the prattler. P-R-A-T-T-L-E-R, I believe it's spelled. I don't know if he made that word up or not. But in any case, uh, if you make it a point to listen to what other people have to say, you'd be surprised how you'll learn something that contradicts what you thought you knew. Right. Just like the conversation that we had today. Yes. Lacey and I had a conversation uh, about uh, something that got said, and when she explained herself to me, and I listened, I understood that I was mistaken. You can't be closed-minded. You have to... You have to be willing to listen and take it in. Nobody in the world knows everything. Oh, boy, that's for sure. That's for sure. And listening is a, a skill that strengthens relationships, leads to more satisfying experiences. A good listener may walk away from a conversation feeling as if their presence served a purpose... An experience that is closely connected with increased well-being. Yes. Uh, supremely happy people uphold in-person connections. Uh, they go out of their way to make sure that they see someone that they're close to that they haven't seen for a while. Right. Or call them on the phone or contact them in some way. Just got a phone call this morning from, um, and I didn't recognize the number, so I didn't answer the phone, because, you right. know, I don't. I don't either. Uh, but, uh, fortunately, she left a message, and I've got a note. When I get home, I have to call her Aww. and say, hey, how you doing? Because, yeah, it's been a while, and sadly, I live like six or seven blocks from this person, oh. but we just, you know, that's sort of the nature of our relationship. Right. We don't see each other all that often anyway, but we have enough in common that we can pick up the phone we and say hey now and then, so yeah, these happy people uphold in-person connections. So if it's been a while since you've seen someone you have felt close to in the past, you should maybe give them a call or drop or an them email a line. or a text message. Let them know that you're thinking about them. Another thing they do—they look on the bright side. Optimism touts plenty of health benefits, including. Less stress and a better tolerance for pain. And according to Huff, Huffy Post, Huffington Post? It says Huff Post. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let me see. Yeah, there's no either. Okay. Huff Post. According to Huff Post Healthy Living, Recent, they recently reported that longevity among those with heart disease is increased by looking on the bright side, by being optimistic. Uh, when you choose to see the silver lining, you're also choosing health and happiness. That's why when, when you go to see somebody in the hospital, you supposedly going to cheer them up. Right. You don't go in and say, oh, I'm so sorry, you're a death's door. How the fuck are you doing? Right. You you. You go. You know. You, know, you, you look, look you like look, shit. Yeah, yeah. You go. You look terrific for somebody that's dying. No, right. you don't do that. You go. You you, you try to find brighten, a way to cheer them up,
5: brighten their day. Something
4: to brighten. If you can't, don't go. Right. <laughs> Take it from someone who spent a number of years working in a hospital. If you can't go with the good intentions of cheering somebody stay up, stay home. Stay home. You'll do better. They'll do better. Um, they value a good mixtape, which I thought was kind of interesting. This is uh, just what it sounds like. Uh, music is powerful, so powerful in fact that it could match up to the anti, or I'm sorry, the anxiety-reducing effects of massage therapy over a three-month period. Again, this is from another research institute. Uh, patients who simply listen to music and had the same decreased anxiety symptoms as those who got 10-hour-long massages. I now, believe
5: music is medicine for the soul.
4: I do. I, I, yeah, I, uh, t- I, and I enjoy music. I really enjoy an hour-long massage, however. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I could go that far, but um, again, if, for me, it would have to be music without words. Uh, mm-hmm. They call that instrumental yes. music. Because, and I said that for my benefit, not yours. <laughs> I was trying to get the word out. Instrumental music works for me because of my hearing problem. I can't right. hear the words. If I can't hear the words, it doesn't mean shit. Unless it's an old song and I already know the words, right. then I'm good. So I don't know, though, if I'd go so far as to say it's as good as a 10-hour-long massages. But uh, anyway, if you like good music, listen to it more often. It'll lift your spirits. They unplug is another thing supremely happy people do. Whether it's turning away the from the television set, taking a few deep breaths, uh, somehow or other, get away from the hyper-connected world. Right. Leave your cell phone at home one day when you go to the grocery store, which I can't do because I'm always afraid I'm going to go 911 and I wanted my phone.
5: But We're so dependent on those damn things now. I know,
4: I know. There. You know, I... I try not to, I don't turn on the radio in the car frequently uh, because I enjoy actually driving down the street with no noise except the sound of the car. Right. Um, unlike my husband who can't do anything without the radio going. Oh. He's, like, he's he's a real input junkie. He really is. God bless him. He just has to have something going on all the time. Um, so, you know, it if i can unplug if he can unplug um, it makes us happier in the long run right but it you know might take a little more work if if if, if you're addicted to you're it addicted to it um, turn off the television i'm i'm responsible a lot of times in the morning for the television being on in the first place because i'm the first one up cooking breakfast and whatnot but if i don't turn on the television while i'm cooking breakfast uh He'll actually come in, sit down, read the paper, and have breakfast and, and go quite a long time without
5: turning, turning it on, on the
4: television. Of course, he has then read the paper. There's, right. There's another input load there. But it's it's an actual physical paper. and not Now, do you
5: turn it on just for background ones. noise?
4: Sometimes I do. Um, it depends. It depends on the time of day. It depends if I'm alone or not. Um, it depends on what I'm doing. Right. If I'm... If I'm uh, uh, making jewelry for example mm-hmm. I will turn on something I that I don't have to watch so much right. but I can get something out of listening to it because when I'm making jewelry I can't stop to, looking right. I can't stop and look at the TV um, of course when I'm reading I can't I can't I I choose not to do anything else if I'm reading I have to the be quiet TV's when I read. off the music's off it's quiet I'm reading right that works for me I have trouble reading with the television on. It's too distracting. Right. Um, What else do I do when I turn off the sound? I don't know. You know, right now I'm writing. I can actually write with the television on, but I ignore it. You're off in your own little world. Yeah, it's there, and I can sort of hear it because I turn it down low, but I can kind of hear that there's noise going on. But that's more like for company. Yeah. And I and again I write when I'm alone. I I choose not to write when my husband's home because I feel that's taking time away from you get too involved with it. Well, it's our yeah. I do. I go to a whole other place. Plus, it's it's more or less our time together. Even if we choose not to do or say anything to each other, right? The opportunity is lessened by my uh, if you're any preoccupied myself and writing. Yeah. So I I. I kind of limit that to a, an alone time kind of situation, unless he too is doing something like that. Now, right. he frequently does choose to do something like that, in which case I'm on my own and I can pretty well do what I want. Uh, he likes to play a lot of games on the computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he's doing that, and I know he's doing it out of choice uh, for himself, then, yeah, I'll go ahead and, and maybe work on a story or, or some such thing as right. that. Right. Uh, if he's only doing it because he thinks... I'm not interested in doing something, then that's different. Right. So then I try to eliminate that question from his mind and make myself available to the moment if he's interested. They get spiritual. I thought this was an interesting thing about supremely happy people. Studies point to a link between religious and spiritual practice and mirth or happiness. Okay. Okay. For one, happiness habits, like expressing gratitude, compassion, and charity, are generally promoted in most spiritual conventions. And asking the big question helps to give our lives context and meaning. A 2009 study found that children who felt their lives had a purpose, which was promoted uh, by spiritual connection, We're happier. Spirituality offers what the 20th century sociologist Emil Durkheim referred to as sacred time, which is a built-in, unplugged ritual that elicits moments of reflection and calm. And I kind of get that. Uh, I have a little ritual that I do every day, uh, a a couple of times. In the morning when I first wake up and I'm enough awake that I know I'm not going to fall back to sleep again, I have a a prayer that I mentally say, um, asking for strength and help for various loved ones and guidance through the day and safety through the day and uplifting through the day. And then when my husband goes off to work, he doesn't know this, and he never will because he never listens to these podcasts. But when he uh, leaves and gets in the car, I always uh, pray a prayer to uh, surround him with the white light and Lift him safely through his day and bring him home. That's me. I do that, and I feel better for doing it. If you don't, that's, that's cool kind of like me with the that's same cool thing.
5: Too. Can you call me when you get there?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: Make sure that everything's okay. Right.
4: Right. So whatever, whatever expression your relationship to spirituality takes, uh, the supremely happy people say that it's a good thing to have that relationship, right. whatever it is, whatever you consider to be your spiritual self. They're saying cultivate that. And we certainly would not argue with that. No. Here's one I wasn't too crazy about. Wow. They make exercise a priority. Ew. Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy can I get them any other way? Yeah, but, you know, we do. We can be <laughs> well, we, both feeling we, a little bit blah. We exercise at the gym. Yeah. We, But, you know, that's, I don't, do we get endorphins? Out of it? Maybe because we feel we better feel when we better. come home.
5: But yeah. we're not out there pumping iron. We're, no, we're not. No, we're, we're not. not. We're cheating. not going to be neither. <laughs> we're know. not cheating, mm. but the exercise we do isn't.
4: Yeah, we you, we uh, go to the gym and uh, stand on these machines. That's and Shake a sh- shake a shake. Chicken sh- for about 10 minutes a day, uh, three days a week. And that is, uh, the machine's called, the whole thing is called whole body vibration. And it's supposed to help.
5: Equivalently to an hour to actu- exercise yeah, takes, in the gym. It's
4: equivalent to an hour exercise in a gym. And uh, this is actually something that was developed by NASA for the astronauts. It's not something we just think is fun. Um, and so, you know, we get but endorphins out of it. But <laughs> But if I didn't have my exercise machines, I'd have to call mopping the kitchen floor exercise because I'd get enough endorphin, And that's enough work for me anyway at my <laughs> age. That's hard work for an old lady. So I get my endorphins that way. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It says they go outside. This I can definitely attest to. I feel much more alive sometimes when I'm outside. getting that vitamin B. I'm, well, I'm not so much for that. But I, I have a... Deep-seated, long-lasting appreciation for nature at her best, worst, biggest, smallest. She's whatever, amazing. Whatever I appreciate anything outside. I don't care what it is. It can be good, bad, and ugly, and I still like it. I just like being outdoors. I, yeah. you know, I in the summer, the winter doesn't matter. Snow. No, I can't sun, do the heat. I'm not too big on the heat myself. I, I admit, but. Um, Anyhow, uh, a twenty-minute dose of fresh air promotes a sense of vitality, and of course, when you feel more vital, you you feel better. You're happier. It says nature is the fuel for the soul, and if you ever go to the mountains and look at the trees and listen to the wind blowing in the trees and watch the waves moving like, up on the I, lake and stuff like that, that's you know that's when I go do to the ocean. Yeah, the ocean's another. Good I get example. lost. I like me. I'm a tree person. Always have been. Really into trees. Love the smell. Love the sound. Love the look. I mm-hmm. love trees. Are it and uh, the more trees I have, the better. Uh, and that's odd since we live in the desert. But we actually do have a we lot of trees here. We do have trees. Here. Yeah, not all Joshua trees. We do have yeah. trees.
5: And not so many tumbleweeds
4: anymore. Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, a few. But then it depends mm-hmm. on if it was rainy season or not. Yes. It says that they spend some time on the pillow. Oh, in other words, sleepy, sleepy like like I have been saying for a number of years as a respiratory professional, if you're not getting eight hours of sleep every night or every twenty four hour period, right. anyway, you're not getting enough and And interestingly enough, I learned uh because I was doing sleep studies as a respiratory therapist for a, a few years. One of the things I learned about sleep is sleep deprivation does a lot of nasty things to the body, including inhibiting one's ability to lose weight. Yes. If you don't get enough rest, you're not going to lose weight as efficiently as if you do get enough rest. Uh, It also makes you cranky as shit. Yes. Uh, It says you're prone... uh, When when you're running on low Zs or Mm -hmm. with not enough sleep, you're prone to... Experience a lack of clarity, bad moods, and poor judgment. A good night's sleep can really help a moody person decrease their anxiety. Yes. So if you're feeling crappy all the time and you don't know why, look at your sleep schedule. And and it is not necessary to get eight straight. Now, let me get that perfectly clear. Eight hours in a 24-hour period can mean two hours now, two hours later, two hours later it isn't the best way to sleep because if you, broken. if you if you sleep 2 hours and you get up and do something for 2 hours and then you go back to sleep for 2 hours it's not as restful right but the the whole idea is to try to get as much sleep in a block of time as you can but if you can only sleep 4 hours a night because the baby's sick and you're up all night right. long try to catch more z's in the afternoon when baby's the baby's taking, taking a nap, and a nap. You, take a nap. And you can take your nap too and that way you can catch up on your eight so that by the end of the day you've gotten 8 hours of sleep in you'll find it will help improve things it will make you feel better right and you'll be happier i know if i Honest. don't get
5: sleep i'm i'm not a happy person to be around
4: well and i i can only sleep between 2 and 4 hours at a throw okay and then I have to either roll over or get up and pee or mm-hmm. both. I mean, it's just the way it is. The older you get, the, the better it gets. What can I tell you, folks? <clears throat> so if I uh, if I have to get up and go pee, then I got to come back to bed and find sleep your on the comfy other spot, side. right? Now I have to sleep on the other side because I'm a side sleeper. Yes, yeah, so am I? Uh, but then I start out sleeping on that little pillow that I was telling right. you about, the little armchair pillow right. thing. So I'm like halfway sitting up. Uh, I go to sleep that way, and then I lay down on one side, then I lay down on the other. But all of these are punctuated with trips to the bathroom. Right. Because I drink a lot of water and juice. Yeah. I drink that sugar-free cranberry juice like yeah. I was going out of style. And you pay for that in the night.
5: Yeah. All catches up with you. Yeah.
4: But because I have fibromyalgia, it actually is not a bad thing because if I were actually... Lie in bed for eight hours straight. I you don't think stiff I could move. As a word. I don't think I could move in the morning. I no, have me to get with up my sciatica. Yeah.
5: If I sleep in one spot, I wake up, oh, right. I feel like somebody's ran me over the freight train.
4: <clears throat> one, two more. One, the LOL.
5: Laugh out loud. Heard,
4: you've heard it before. Laughter is the best medicine. Uh, a good old-fashioned chuckle releases happy brain chemicals that, other than producing the exuberant buzz we seek, make humans better equipped to tolerate both pain and stress.
5: Well, there's that doctor that goes into like the cancer.
4: Uh huh, and ma- and tells jokes and stuff. It dress up it like makes a clown. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Laughter, laughter is good for the soul, and laughter also helps you digest better. Really. Yeah, um, and it's it's just it's and and we're not talking about fake laughing now. We're talking no, about really to honest be. to God laughing. Ernie reads the uh, funny papers mm-hmm. every Sunday. Oh uh, well, all the time actually, uh, especially on Sunday, and he's always he always finds at least one that because I don't read them, but he he finds at least one to share that that they really are hilarious, and and some kind sometimes they're kind of sappy. But I let myself laugh at them anyway because right. of two reasons. One, it makes him feel good because he found something to make me laugh. Right. And then two, because it's good to laugh. Right. So I do that again. on
5: Facebook with the memes.
4: Yeah, yeah. Facebook's a good choice for, for funnies. Um, I, I, actually, Ernie's a very funny guy. And he he really gets me rolling in the aisle sometimes. <laughs> it's hilarious some of the stuff he comes up with. We went by this... Uh, Went down, there's a street, <laughs> duh, there's a street going there's by a street? our house, you think? <laughs> there's a street leading to our street. Okay. Um, and there's a church there, and a sign says, the church of the open door. Oh. And he looked and he goes, but the door's shut. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know, I it just it'd be funny. I thought it was hilarious, the church of the open door, but the door happened to be shut. Well, there you go. And the last is, they walk the walk. Says you ever notice, joyful friends have a certain spring in their step. It's all about the stride. They did an experiment where participants participants were asked to take a three-minute walk. Half of the walkers were told to take long strides while swinging their arms and holding their heads high. These walkers reported feeling happier after the stroll than the other group who took short, shuffled steps as they... Watched their feet. Really? Yeah. And you know.
5: But see, I'm always looking I, on the I, ground when I walk. I, I so might find treasures. Well,
4: I, I, look, <laughs> I look at the ground because I don't want to fall down. Oh, yeah. But I got to say, when we're on the machines at the, at the gym. Yes. And if I'm standing straight up, you know how Pam will say, you know, well, your your uh, posture is, yes. is improved. You know, when I'm standing up with what I know is good posture. I get more out of the workout. that experience, that workout, than if I'm hunched over it, kind of hanging on to it. Right. And that's just something I've kind of noticed on my own. So I kind of agree with what they're saying. Although we're not walking while we're doing that, I think basically we're still it's sort of the same, same thing. It's, right. It's the, exor- the the act of exercising yes. with a confident air, so yes. to speak. And so if you we see, own the place. Yeah, if you see someone walking in the mall, and and you look at him and you go, "Wow, that guy's got something on the ball," you know, because he's walking head high, yes. And stuff, uh, he may be one of the supremely happy people. Yes. And then you can say you found one. Yes. So I thought that was all interesting. It shit. is very interesting. I, I, I thought it was uh worth repeating i i I know we like to tear people apart all the time, both on our show and on um um what we think right We like to rip people to shreds just because we can but i i I do believe the negativity thing. I believe that uh-huh. negativity begets negativity, and so I wanted to send out some positive vibes yes. to everybody out there today. And who knows? Maybe some of this information will be interesting and new. We're going to see different. a lot of
5: people walking with their head up and.
4: Well, I would hope so. Yeah. And, and maybe they got it from us, or maybe not. Who knows? But I.
5: Who cares where they got it from? As long I, as they got it. As long it.
4: as they got it. That's the important thing. I uh, I couldn't agree more. So how are we? Uh, On how, time? How are we? We're today? over. We're over. Yeah. Well, then why didn't you wave at me somewhere we along were talking. the line and go, "Hey." How much like over are we? S- seven minutes. Oh, well, we better shut the fuck up then. Um, in that case, where's my... we got to
5: shut the front door. You've
4: got to do that. You've got to do that. It's
5: almost taco time, kids. You've
4: got to say, yeah, Lacey's making tacos for me to take home to my honey for dinner. Yum Woo-hoo! nums. So, don't forget, email us yes. with what you think about the show. You can reach us just by clicking on the comment button on the web Page Yes. uh, On our, you know, where it says uh, our show name, you know, click on the comment button and it takes you directly to the email page and then all you have to do is pick the Don't Get Us Started episode. Tell us what episode you want to comment about. We will read all emails on air unless otherwise requested. So we hope you'll come back next week and give us a listen. Until then, I am S. Sadie Burbank. And I am Lacey Montoya. And we're saying that's enough for tonight, so... Don't
1: Don't get us started. Good night. Good night, everybody. There you go. Still don't want this (laughs) (laughs) Kool-Aid? You take a a beautiful episode like this and you bastardize it with a Jonestown joke. No, honestly, I just thought you're thirsty. Yeah, yeah. You don't want this, I'll just dump it in. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. just drink the Kool-Aid and don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. How about the red pill or the blue pill? (sighs) No. Straight edge, man. Fine. All right, CM. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, speaking of happy, that uh, Pharrell Williams, oh
2: abomination
1: God. of a song. I, I actually it. heard a really cool cover of it. Really? Yes. It's called obviously, "Happy" by uh, Death Blossom. Death Blossom. Yes, I'm liking it already. Yes, and if if you're if Death Blossom is kind of ringing into your uh, your geek memory banks. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the last Starfighter? Oh, way back in the long ago? Way back in the long ago. Yeah. That was the ultimate move that that ship would do when they got surrounded. The death blossom. Okay. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah, there you go. They pulled a bit of nostalgia there yes for their name, didn't they? they certainly did. Wow. Yeah, so. That's why they're happy people. That's they are. Noel. you listen to the song, you're going, these are some angry <laughs> people. <laughs> <I> <laughs> mean, it, it, Death Blossom, look it up. Death, happy by Death Blossom. It's, I think it's on and iTunes. And I, I, I have no association with these people other than I like their song. Uh-huh. And royalties. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't hate the song so much if they didn't play it every other song. <sighs> you know? It's brutal. I I remember just sitting there, and the and my my girls came in, and they they turn on uh, YouTube, and they go to go to Happy. Said, okay, this is going to be one one song. And then I looked. There's a list. I go, why is there a list of songs? They said, oh, they made a video for each hour of the day. What? Yes. <laughs> So, in theory, every hour on the hour, you can play Happy, and it'll be a brand new video. I went, shut it off now. Yeah. Okay, let's get to another podcast. Yes, please. Suicide. (laughs) This is Saturday segments number four, Shaken, Not Stirred. That's how I usually like my... uh... Martini. Martinis. There you go. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say beers, but that's not going to a good idea. Mm, Shaken beard? No. No, 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 bad idea. Okay, right, this one says uh, with only days away from Christmas. Well, it's not. But well, let's this pretend. Is the se- this is the callback show, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Suddenly, it's Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Each segment. I can't is wrap a, my head around, around that season. I can't wrap my head around that. Anyway, with days away from... If you were more happy, you would. <laughs> That's <was> funny. <laughs> yeah. Larry sits down and revisits the land of Bond, James Bond, as the character and film celebrate their 50th anniversary. All right. Can't tell. This was a couple years ago. This was December 2012. Oh, wow, wow. Okay. That's All right. right. Let's yeah. get our Bond on.
6: That's right. Hello again. Uh, this is Larry Walton. I am your host for Saturday Segments. You can listen to these podcasts uh, every week on com. I hope all of you are having a good week so far. Um, I know it's getting close to Christmas time, and I know you're all probably decorating your tree and getting your house decorated, and the lights on the out, on, <laughs> on the outside up. Um, I did a little bit of that today. I put lights up around our door on our front door and now I have to go outside again and put the lights up on our house and put on our outdoor decorations. So that will be something I'll be doing this week hopefully. Um, I have a lot of things to talk about today. I want to talk about uh, some current news going on in the entertainment world. I also want to talk about um, continuing my talk last time about uh, 007 uh, its 50th anniversary. Uh, I want to talk again about the actors who played 007 and I want to continue talking about um, that today. And also I have a list of movies uh, that are coming out or in the works right now that I found the other day looking on the internet. So I'll share that with you uh, as well. And anything else that comes up I'll talk about. So let's get started. Uh, I guess you've heard that Larry Hagman uh, passed away last week at 81 years old he was on a few televisions uh, um two or three television series um, one being I dream of genie back in the mid 1960s uh, he played alongside Barbara Eden He was Major Tony Nelson on I Dream of Jeannie. He played an astronaut. Um, Really good actor, really fine actor. Um, He also later on, I guess most of you know that he was J.R. Ewing on Dallas in the late 70s and the 1980s. Um, And then that was revived last year uh, again he came back to play JR. Um, Patrick Duffy came back to play his brother Bobby. Uh, Linda Gray came back as Sue Ellen. Um, those were the three oh, also Charlie, uh, Charlene Tilton came back to play Lucy. And, um, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but, um, uh, <laughs> that set my mind, um, uh, Cliff Barnes. And I can't think of the actor's name offhand, but his character came back. Um, uh, they did a lot of additions. They had, um, J.R. Son all grown up. And then they introduced, uh... Bobby Ewing's son I believe is a stepson but anyway um, that came back last year and I believe it's going to be coming back again in January for a new season so they will I'm sure they will put it somewhere in the script how J.R. passed away or something. Um, but anyway he was 81, Larry Hagman. He was in, um, I believe he was, had a small part in the Superman movie back in 1978 with Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves, I'm sorry. Um, he also had a part in a movie called *The Eagle Has Landed*. That was a World War II movie, and if I remember right, he had a, a part in that movie. And then um, a few other movies and TV series uh, that he's been in. And also, I found out that I wasn't sure I wasn't I didn't know this, but he was the son of actress mary martin uh... if you remember mary martin she was peter pan Um, she played peter pan on tv and on broadway i remember watching that as a kid every year on tv it would come out and beyond i can't remember uh, if it was on during the Christmas season or sometime during the year. But I remember watching that every year. So anyway, um, Larry Hagman has passed away, uh, which is sad. Uh, I liked his I liked his uh, character, uh, Jr. and I liked his character, uh, Tony Nelson on Andre Magini. Okay, um, I guess Lindsay Lohan is back in the news again. She got into a fight with, at a bar with uh, another woman, I believe it was. Uh, so anyway, she's in trouble again. Uh, that poor girl, I, uh, she gets in so much trouble. Um... And I don't, you know, nobody knows why or whatever, but only she knows. And then, um, I guess you heard that Halle Berry, Halle Berry's ex-fiancee and her current boyfriend had a fight at her, at her, at her home um, over custody of their daughter. I believe it was and from the what I've seen in the pictures the ex-boyfriend the ex-fiance got beat up pretty bad by the boyfriend her, her current boyfriend and I also understand that she is she is selling her house for home now um, I don't know why I guess <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> she, I know I know she has her own reasons but anyway and then, um, let me look at my notes here. Um, There's a rumor going around that Joseph Gordon-Leviet, I think how you pronounce it, he was in The Dark Knight Rises. Um, rumor that he may be playing Batman in uh, the Justice League movie that's currently it's not in production yet it might be in production but it's just a rumor right now I don't know if he'll be Batman or anything like that so I guess we will see what happens with that speaking of Batman um... I believe this week The Dark Knight Rises comes out on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, hopefully I could buy it. Because I never got to see the movie theaters for one reason or another. So that is coming out. And then um, other movies um I believe The Amazing Spider-Man is out on DVD now um there's a lot of them out there too many to mention (laughs) um anyway so uh look for Batman The Dark Knight Rises coming out I know they're doing a special a a special deal on the on the blu-ray edition of, of it um And then there's the DVD edition. So look for that to come out this week. What else is going on? Um, I mentioned this, I believe, last week, that George Barris, uh, the King of Customs, next month we will be selling the 1966 Batmobile at an auction in Arizona um, I'm not exactly sure how much it will be going for or anything but whoever wins this auction next month will be a very lucky owner because you'll have a piece of TV history sitting in your garage. Um, anyway that's coming up I believe next month. Uh, it's one of a famous car auction. I can't think of the auctioneer or the auction company uh, who is going to do the auction but That is next month, I believe. And I also talked about um, a new movie about the Wizard of Oz called uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. I saw the trailer on the internet and from what I can tell it looks uh, it looks really good um, I believe Mila Kunis is in it Rachel Vice is in it um, it looks pretty good it comes out I believe in March of next year and then um, let's see what I was talking about um, a lot of movies coming out uh, within the next few months. Uh, another one called Broken City is coming out. And then movies that are out now uh, are coming out. Les Miserables. Uh, that stars Hugh Jackman and uh, Anne Hathaway that's coming out and there's um, another one that is out now called um, The Defenders, that's a Christmas movie <clears throat> coming out or is out now so anyway, uh, look for those movies coming to a theater near you Okay, so now I want to talk about uh, movies that are out now in the theaters. And then I will talk about let's see. okay um, movies that are out on DVD. Uh, Let me get to that first. Um, (laughs) Okay, movies on DVD. uh, Paranorman is out. The Apparition is out. I've never seen that one. (laughs) Lawless is out on DVD. Uh, Men in Black 3 is out. I just saw that the other day. Uh, It's out now. Sparkle. And the last one is Step Up Revolution. Okay. Now, movies that are out in theaters. Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn 2 uh, is out. Skyfall is out still. Red Dawn is out now. Um, Life of Pi is out. Killing Me Softly is out. White, that was that's one. That is one with Denzel Washington. Um, Lincoln is out. Anna Karina that is the one with Keira Knightley is in that one. Taken Two, that's with Liam Neeson. Pitch Perfect is out. Silver Linings, uh, Boom, and then Looper, The Sessions, and then last one is Iron Fist. So those are out right now um, in the movies. Okay, so now I want to talk about. Oh yeah. Get on my paper here. These are trending movies um, that are either out now or coming out soon, and I have quite a bit of quite a few of them here, uh, so I'll read them off Okay, the first one: is Pacific Rim. Um, That one's coming out soon. Um, I believe it's kind of a sci-fi movie because I mentioned something about monsters. So, you know, monsters and sci-fi, they go together. Uh, The Lone Ranger, that is with Johnny Depp. Uh, That's coming out. I'm not sure when. One I just mentioned, Red Dawn, I believe that's a remake, um, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, if you're a fan of The Walking Dead, they're planning on making a movie about that called The Walking Dead Movie. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. The Night Stalker. That one, I believe, is Johnny Depp. Um, If you remember, it wasn't on that long. Uh, It was on TV with uh, Darren McGavin. It was on the, during the 1970s. Uh, he was a newspaper reporter and he would go out and investigate unusual things. Um, either he would hear about them or somebody would tell him about them. Um, I remember an episode he was investigating a sighting of a headless motorcycle rider. I remember that one. Uh, another one was about a vampire. I believe it's a female vampire. Um, all sorts of, <laughs> all sorts of weird things he would investigate. Uh, his boss, uh, played by Simon Oakland. Uh, Always got on his case about going on and investigating these different things and writing them up in their newspaper. So that sounds like it might be good. Okay, what I mentioned earlier was Lincoln. Um, Hercules! Um, Another Hercules movie. I don't think they made one quite a while. other than the TV series, was Kevin Sorbo. Uh, I don't believe they made a Hercules movie in quite a while, so that is another one. They're doing RoboCop again. Um, I'm not sure if you know. I don't uh, who's going to be RoboCop or anything like that. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, five, (laughs) another one. I have no idea what that's gonna be like or what's about. I'm sure that Johnny Depp will be in it. Fast and Furious number six is coming out with Vin Diesel. And I believe Michelle Rodriguez is in it. Carrie, this guy has me remade. The original stars uh, Sissy Spacek. Um, it's kind of a it's a it's a horror movie. Uh, I don't know if any of you seen before. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I've seen it uh, a few times. Okay, the next one is Beauty and the Beast. Um, I'm not sure what that's going to be about. Uh, I don't believe it's going to be a Disney one, uh, but we'll see that one. Mortal Kombat uh, being remade again. Men in Black four. They're doing Men in Black again, and then a Batman reboot. Um, I don't think it will be in connection with the Justice League movie Um, don't know who Batman will be Um, like I said that one actor is rumored to be Batman but we will see Um, okay I think that's it pretty much Uh, hold on here Uh, yeah So anyway, that's the ones that will be coming out, or are out now. Um, Like I said, there's a couple out already. Um, Like I said, Red Dawn is out. um, And then Lincoln is out. But there's a few of them here I'm interested in seeing. Especially uh, the Night Stalker movie and Robocop. Okay, I think that's it. Um, anyway, be looking for those uh, to be coming out uh, soon or within the next, the next, you know, next year. Um, <clears throat> I believe they're working on Star Wars Episode Seven right now. Um, don't know much about that, one. of course it's kept secret Uh, they've all been kept secret you know nobody knows who's going to be in it or what it's going to be about so uh, that comes out in 2015 so we have about three years to wait for that one and what else um, coming out? I think that's all that I can think of right now uh, coming out and then uh, on TV um, Rizzolion Isles is coming out Or not coming out but it's coming on again or is on again now I'm not sure I haven't seen it yet and then uh, Burn Notice I love that. I love that show. And then, um, like I mentioned earlier, Dallas comes out in January. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they treat this uh, with the death of Larry Hagman and all, see how they're going to do this uh, with his, uh, his passing. Um, I've seen pictures on um, uh, the net about people stopping at Southport, which Southport's accent. Southport does ex- Southport does exist. It is northeast of Dallas, Texas. Uh, people have been putting flowers and other memorial, uh, the memorial other memorials there on Southport. Um, just out of respect for his uh, passing. Um, I know Barbara Eden has something to say about it since they were to get on, on TV together for that while, for quite a while. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of sad, you know? Yeah. Um, people we've watched on TV for years and uh, all of a sudden they're not with us anymore. So, that's uh, just sad. Alright, now I'm going to move on to uh, continue talking about 007, uh, James Mann, Uh just turned 50 this year I believe I ended talking about uh, Timothy Dalton. He only did two two uh, Bond movies, uh, Living Daylights and License to Kill. So now I will talk about Pierce Brosnan. Uh, he was in four Bond movies. Um, he would have been bond earlier, but he still was under contract with Remington Steel until they just let it go, let him go uh, after doing that. So his first movie was uh, Goldeneye, with uh, Famke Jensen was in it, um, and that also introduced the first female uh, M Judy Dench I like that movie it was really good Um, good plot good story Um, the Aston Martin DB5 made a brief little cameo made a brief cameo in that movie Um, and I also understand that it's also in the new movie Skyfall Um, I liked it I liked it really well. Uh, he made a he made a pretty good bond. Uh, I was impressed with him, his acting as 007 Kind of a little bit like um, a little bit like uh, Sean Connery, and a little like Roger Moore in there. Uh, with him playing 007 The next one he was in was Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, that, I believe, had, uh, Terry Hatcher was in it, and, I cannot think of the actor's name, he played, he was in Pirates of the Caribbean, he played Karen Knightley's father, um, Swan, in that movie, and, that also had a Chinese actor's name Michelle Yeoh, Y-E-O-H, Yeoh, Yeoh I think it was. Um, That was a good movie too. Um, He was the the, the actor uh, playing the bad guy was a media mogul and he would basically put in headlines for his media company that would be happening like you know basically he would make up he would cause these different things uh, to happen and then put it in his newspaper (coughs) around the world. Um, Terry Hatch had a small part in it. Um, she and 007 uh, had a kind of re- uh, reunion type thing. Uh, only briefly. <laughs> anyway, um, that one was pretty good. I like that one. Uh, the next one was The World Is Not Enough. That was the next Bond movie, um, I believe it was Denise Richard and an actress named Sophie Marceau was in that movie. That um, was a good. movie. That was good too. I like. I'm happy. I all the our movies. I wasn't disappointed in. Um, all of them have been really good. Well acted. Well. Prepared. The storyline was well, <clears throat> the storyline was really well done. The acting was really well done. The movie the music the music they used was really well done. Um, so I have not been disappointed in the level 7 movie. yet. So but anyway, this one um, That was his third one. Here's Brosnan's one. Um, Like I said, it was really well done. Uh, The last one he was in was Die Another Day. That one, I believe Halle Berry was in it. Her character's name was Jinx. Um, That was good too. I like Halle Berry's acting. Um, I remember first time I saw Halle Berry was in the Flintstones movie. Uh, she played <laughs> Sharon Stone, <laughs> uh, of all things, how funny. Um, and then she later on played Catwoman. Uh, she was in uh, Executive Decision. Um, Swordfish I believe it was Oh Uh, A lot of movies Uh, But she was in this one With Pierce Brosnan Uh, That was the last one he did Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies I mean uh, Not Another Day Okay now we move on To the current Bond Daniel Craig so far he's been in three movies Uh, I haven't seen Skyfall yet the other two I've seen uh, Casino Royale that was good, that was a good movie that one had a new Felix Leiter uh, African-American actor, I can't think of his name Um, Eva Green was in it Uh, I'm not sure if anybody's, if you've seen uh, Camelot on S.T.A.R.S., but she plays uh, um, Arthur's um, I guess the stepsister Um, and she was also in Dark Shadows, she played uh, Angelique. and I believe she's in a movie called Kingdom Come uh, with uh, Orlando Bloom was in that one that one was about I believe about the Crusades um, if I remember right um, but I like that movie it was good it was really good uh, next one he was in was Quantum of Solace. Uh, I like that one. Uh, it's kind of slow, slow in parts and kind of slow in parts. Of course, a lot of action. Uh, you know, Bond movies are known for action, cars, women, gadgets. You know so um, that was pretty good um, I like that um, really well done uh, so far I am, I am pretty I am impressed with uh, Daniel Craig's performance with 007 at first I wasn't too sure um, but after seeing um, Casino Royale and then seeing Quantum of Solace um, He's making a pretty good boat, Um And then the one he's out currently out now is Skyfall, and that's made a lot of money. I understand. Um, a lot of people have said it's the best bomb movie ever. Um, that one, <laughs> that statement, I kind of, I don't know. I haven't seen the movie yet, but kind of. Um disagree with that? Um there have been a lot of great Bond movies. Um The best one I think is Thunderball I mean uh excuse me. Uh, Gold uh, Goldfinger. Um with uh Sean Connery um that one um you know I like that i've seen it a hundred times um i like it um so as far as skyfall being the best mom movie um we will we'll see um, like i said i haven't seen it yet uh, i want to see it hopefully I get to see it soon Uh, so anyway that is the rundown of all the Bond movies um, I believe Skyfall is number 26 now Um, but like I said, I have not been disappointed with any Bond movie. Uh, they have all been great. Uh, all the acting has been great. Uh, all the Bond girls have been beautiful. Uh, all the gadgets were cool. Uh, so, anyway, uh, we will see. Um. When I see it, um, if it's going to be the best mom movie or not. Okay. Okay. So now, uh, I want to talk about movies that are coming out or coming out soon. Uh, I can find a list of movies that are coming out soon okay first one is Hyde Park on the Hudson that is with Bill Murray Um, okay next one playing for keeps next one is called way the favorite and then here's some movies that are limited release Uh, one called deadfall one called Hellano and one called Flying Lessons. And another one called Waiting for Lightning. Okay. Okay, here's another one called Cheer. Cheer for Weather for a Wedding. Okay. <laughs> Let's see, here's one called Off White Lies. Oh. If you remember the movie White Man Can't Jump, here's one called White Man Can't Dance. Phew, that's another one. Another one called Amour. A M O E Amour. Okay. Let's see, another one called Any Day Now. That sounds familiar. Okay, oh yeah, The Hobbit. That's coming out. Um. It's called The Hobbit, The Hobbit *An Unexpected Journey. Uh, that looks good. Uh, Let the Fury Have the Hour. called? This one's called. The next one is called Save the Date. It's a limited release. Okay, another one is called Saving Grace B. Jones. The Guilt Trip. There's another one. One called This is 40. Let's see another one called Not Fade Away is coming out. Another one, Jack Reacher that one is with Tom Cruise. Let's see here is one On the Road the impossible and last one is Graceland so those are coming out uh, soon I believe the Hobbit comes out sometime next week Um, or it comes out this week I'm not sure I think it's this week it's coming out on uh, December um, December 7th Pearl Harbor Day okay okay I want to talk about um one of my favorite British actresses of all time I mean this this woman is beautiful she's graceful I've met her several times talked to her several times her name is Caroline Monroe M-U-N-R-O This is a. I'm reading off of this. It's called Empire Waverly Telecards. I got this from her. Uh, she signed it for me a few years ago. Okay, I'm going to read uh, what's on here. And then there's a, there's a filmography uh, of movies she's been in. <clears throat> okay, it says. Caroline Monroe is the best known of one of the loveliest Bond girls ever for her role as Naomi, opposite Roger Moore in the Bond movie The Spy Who Loved Me, 1977. But she has had many other famous roles with horror and adventure films, in particular co-starring with film legends such as Peter Cushing, Vincent Price, Richard Widmark, and Telly Savalas Kojak oh, as well as many varied film roles Caroline has appeared in TV movies such as Marguerite and The New Avengers as well as pop videos such as Adamant's Goody Two Shoes Goody Two Shoes, I've seen that one and Meat if you really want to Caroline has a very strong and close relationship with her fans, and her approachable and warm personality has made her a firm favorite at conventions and film collector fairs all over the world. I remember the first time I saw her was, it was a uh, convention near the LA airport. It was called, uh, um, um, I believe it's called Monsters Among Us. Um, that was back in 2004. Or 3 through 4. Um, it was during the 4th of July weekend. Not a lot of people showed up. Um, but, I belong to her fan club. It's called the Caroline Monroe Fan Club. Um, I met her and her stepdaughter Tammy Himalian, and just hit it off. I mean, she was very talkative. Like I said on that car, she's very so great, very graceful. Um, She's very likable. Uh, if you met her for the if you if you ever meet her, you'll love her. She is beautiful, graceful. She likes to talk. <laughs> um, I just recently got my uh, newsletters from Tammy, her stepdaughter, and on this letter she wrote that Caroline recently had her knee surgery. Um I guess she goes to these conventions and sits at a table, you know, and her knee kept bothering her, I guess. So, um she just recently had knee surgery. So I wish her all I wish her well and a speedy recovery. <clears throat> um anyway, but yeah, she's just she's very graceful, very beautiful. The next time I saw her was at the Egyptian theater in downtown Hollywood. They were doing a tribute to her um, at the Egyptian theater. They were showing her different movies. Uh, Some of her former uh, people she worked with uh, were there. John Philip Law was there. Uh, they were in the movie together called The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. He recently passed away uh, not too long ago. But I went to the Egyptian theater uh, stay, it was a Saturday and Sunday. I stayed all weekend. Uh, they had a question-and-answer period session with her. Uh, they talked to her. Uh, uh, they did interviews with her. Um, they showed her movies as she was in. Uh, I believe Ray Harryhausen was there. Uh, he did all the special effects um, like golden Boy just in bad. Um, I believe he did uh, the effects for uh, uh, Shoot, I can't think of the other one. He did, he did. I think it was five million years to Earth. Uh, no, well, me, uh, the Beast from Twenty Thousand Phantoms. I think he did that one. Um, I'm trying to think of others he did. Um, Clash of the Titans, yeah, with uh, Ray Harry, with uh, Harry Hamlin. Was he did those too? Um, he was there. Um, It was fun all weekend. It was great. And then the next time I saw her was um, like two years later at the Marriott uh, Airport Hotel in Burbank. Across the street from the Burbank Hollywood Airport. She was at a show called, back then it was called... uh, uh, the Hollywood Collector Show, but now called, but now it's called the Hollywood Show. Um, she was there um, with, uh, I believe, no, that was later on. Um, but she was there, and her and her daughter, her sister, stepdaughter were there. Um, a lot of actors show up to these uh, different shows, so if you get a chance. Uh, they have them every three months uh, at the Burbank Marriott Hotel. Um, like I said, it's across the street from <clears throat> the Burbank Hollywood Airport. Um, I met a few stars there. I met uh, George Lazenby was there. My wife wanted me to get her a signed uh, sign her DVD of uh, Honor her Majesty's Secret Service. That's what I didn't mention earlier was uh, George Lazenby. He played 007 just once uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, that one he got married in uh, to a countess but later on she died so. But yeah I met him um, I met Kevin Sorbo, um, Candy Clark I met one time, um, she was there, uh Cindy Williams was there, they were doing an American graffiti reunion type thing. Um, but she was there at this uh Hollywood collector show. Uh we talked. I looked around, talked to other other people that were there. It was really fun. I liked it. Um, I enjoyed myself with these Hollywood shows. I haven't gone to one lately but I hope next year and hopefully the Caroline will be in this area uh, in Southern California uh, Burbank uh, so I can see her again but getting back to Caroline she has done modeling uh, mainly for this product called Navy Lambs Rum uh, when she was younger uh, that's how she got discovered, uh, actually, doing all these modeling gigs. Um, I've been, I've been, I've belonged to her fan club for, oh, a long time. Maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe, I'd say, eight or nine years now. Um, But she's very gracious. If you remember 007, uh, The Spider Love Me, like I mentioned, uh, she played Naomi. Um, funny story, as she told uh, at the first convention I saw her in, uh, there's a scene where she's getting out of a boat to pick up Roger Moore and Barbara Bach, who played uh, the Russian spy, Triple X, in The Spy Who She was getting out of the boat and a beast on her. I've heard about that. And when they were doing a DVD called uh, Caroline Monroe, First Lady of Fantasy, um, they were doing this DVD on her about this, and I asked her about it, and she said, yeah, it was true that she got out of the boat and a beast on her. <laughs> so anyway, that was a true story. But anyway, um, she did those uh, Navy Lamb commercial, uh, Navy Lamb rum. She did that for Navy Lamb's rum modeling, and that's basically how she got her start. Uh, to being in movies. Okay, I'm going to read some of these movies that she's been in. Some I've never heard. Uh, Some I have heard. Okay, starting 1967, 6.6 Passion with Christine Shimpton, director David Bailey. 69, Worst Jack with Tommy Steele and Sir Stanley Baxter. Uh, the director was James Clavel. 1969, A-, A Tales for Loving with Richard Widmark and Topol. Um, that was directed by Richard Klein. Okay. 1971, the, Abom- the Abominable Dr. Fives with Vincent Price and Terry Thomas. And then the sequel was Dr. Five Rises Again with Vincent Price and Peter Cushing. And then Dracula A.D. 1972 with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. 1972, oh I love this movie. Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter with Horst Jensen. That was a good movie. She played... um, I think she played a gypsy in that movie. Um, and then The Golden Voyage of Sinbad with Jonathan LeBlanc. That was in 1974. i seen that one. The Devil Within Her, Joan Collins and Donald Pleasence. I didn't see that one. At the Earth's Core, i seen that one with Don McClure and Peter Cushing. 1977, The Spy Who Loved Me with Roger Moore. I talked about that one. Oh, one of my favorite sci-fi movies. Star Crash, with Christopher Plummer and David Hasselhoff. Yes, David Hasselhoff, a.k.a. Michael Knight. Before that, he was on a uh, soap opera called The Young and the Restless. 1980, Maniac, saw that one, was Joe's... Spinell. The last horror film, I've seen that one with Joe Spinell. Don't Open Till Christmas. Edmund Put Okay, I've seen that one. Slaughter High. Um, I don't remember seeing Slaughter High. Howl of the Devil. Faceless with Telly Savalas. The Black Cat. Night Owl. The Die For and domestic Strangers. Now she recently has been uh, another movie. She just recently was in. I have to look at my newsletter here. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, here we go. Okay, it's called El Dorado. Let's see. Finally seeing the day of light. Um, she plays the role of Lily Uh, this just recently came out the storyline basically is let's see Uh, she says there's a lot of scenes, little cameos Um, it's a bit like the original, oh yeah she's in the original Casino Royale too with David Niven Uh, It looks like it was a poem by Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, The film has Daryl Hannah, Peter O'Toole, Michael Matson, David Carradine, Steve Gutenberg is in it. It was shot in 2009 and it's being released this year so it's going straight to DVD so you won't be seen in theaters anyway the movie is called El Dorado Uh, she gets a lot of calls for uh, doing movies and stuff um but like I said she's a great actress Uh, very personable person, very warm person. Uh, like I said, if you ever met her, you would love her instantly. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, that's uh, why I want to talk about her uh, here. Uh, um, that's about it. Um, I want to talk about her. Um, finish talking about the Bond movies. Uh, I believe next time I will be on here I will talk about uh, more Hollywood rumors uh, more Hollywood talk. Uh, There are more movies coming out that I want to get to. um, And I believe I will talk about Christmas movies next time um, the ones I've seen uh, as a child and later on as an adult I will want to talk about those mainly um, so anyway thanks for listening to me ramble on for the past hour I hope all of you have a great holiday season I uh, that time um... less than three weeks away to christmas so i hope you all got your christmas list out and if you've been naughty or nice so santa will come by your house and leave you something in your stocking and under the tree (laughs) so until next time um, have a great week take care be good to each other um uh, have a great Christmas season. And we will talk to you soon. Bye for now. This is Larry Walton. Um uh, Signing off. Talk to you soon. And so what? Who's your
1: favorite bond? Well, let me see. George Lazenby? George Lazenby. He did that show once, didn't he? Yes. Yes. I'm assuming by your impersonation you're uh I'm a Bond. You're a Bond? Well, you're, you're a... Sean Connery. No, that's not the one I was thinking of. What? <laughs> <laughs> Jim Carrey. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a I'm a Connery guy. I love well, Connery. He said he was... He's, he's kind of like the new Daniel Craig one. He's... They were both pretty raw bone dudes, so... Mm-hmm. If you look at everything after that, other than George Lazenby, like, he was a one-shot wonder, but Roger Moore was the pansy. You know, he was more... He wouldn't, uh, pansy? I wouldn't, he was more of the dapper gentleman. Exactly. Pansy. <laughs> so then <laughs> you go from uh, Roger Moore and it jumps into... Who was next? Was it T- Timothy Dalton? Timothy Dalton. Yes. Who was good, but the story sucked. Yeah. So off he went. Then they got into Pierce Brosnan, yep. who was like Connor, an all-around kind of person. Remington Steele. Right. Who was after that? That was Daniel Craig. All right. Let's wrap this nonsense up. What? Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> Listen to the other show if you want to hear this babble on about Yes. Movies. That's right. All right. So this is, Oh, wait a minute. You do the outro. Oh, I do the outro? It's okay. It's your show. I'm just... Not my show. Out. I is just it? work here. It's your show. Okay. It's my show. I don't want it to end then. Do the outro. All right. This has been Mike. <laughs> this has been Ralph. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.